Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is brought to you thanks to the fine folks at More Beer. Visit them right now at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter oh, yeah. the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. Yeah. I'm jet propelled at all times. <laughs> How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think you know, that's bullshit. The, <laughs> I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. no. We're going to teabag fight. Yeah. <laughs> you heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? <laughs> now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers. Craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the program. Broadcasting live here from the Hop Grenade once again, which is always fun because there's a lot of beer on tap. Remember when we started and there wasn't any beer on tap? 2005. Like I like in the to, garage? In my garage. I like to block that out of my, <laughs> my head. I was like, hey, guys, I brought us a 12-pack of Modelo. <laughs> so again? Was it all bottles, really, in the garage for how long? In the beginning, uh, for, I don't know. <laughs> Ever? Uh, for a long, long time. I think I finally built a kegerator like a, a year into the show or something. And even then, it was just like a, a dorm fridge. I had converted a, a little dorm fridge into a single corny keg kegerator so we could only keep on like a little bit of beer, like enough for me. Yeah. So it would always be empty anyway because the show was on Sundays. I'd get a keg like on Thursday or Friday. It was pretty much empty by Sunday. So we'd be there with Doc, scrounging around for beers in the back like, of your fridge. Basically, Doc would bring a bunch of beer, and then we would invite guests. You know, not so much for the interview, but we invited guests that we knew would bring <laughs> beer. Like the yeah. first time, you ever wonder why Dan Gordon's been on the show so many times? <laughs> it's because the first time Dan Gordon did the show, he brought us like 12 cases of beer. And we were like, oh, yeah, just keep inviting Dan back. He's well, good. And like the, the days where you go, you, you know, you'd be scrounging beer for beer in the crisper drawers. <laughs> We're like all like yeah. the meat drawer and the cheese drawer, and yeah. the fruit and vegetable drawers, all just beer. And you're like, can I, can I uh, have this? Yeah. And then eventually Chad became the ultimate arbiter of what could and could not be consumed. Because he's like, um, 
Yeah, that's okay, but not that one because that's the last one. Oh, okay, you know, and then it just, you had to go through there. So I think that was his first role as producer. Yeah, He's I think producing so, yeah. beer for everybody to drink. Yeah, well, and that sort of ended up rolling into a whole different problem, which was that we ended up with a bunch of beer we didn't want and a bunch of bad beer. <laughs> yeah. So that Nate, remember our bad beer party? Yeah, a beer depletion party. It was like a year before we were moving out of that shithole we used to live in, and I I called everybody and I was like, "Hey guys, I got this great idea." We're going to have a bad beer party. And everyone goes, what? <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm busy that weekend. I go, no, just, just listen to me for a second. Uh, we have all this beer. Some of it's going to be great. Most of it's going to be bad. You don't have to drink it, but we have to open every single bottle. Because you can't just throw out unopened bottles of beer. Be a crime. You have to know. And I think out of... Because, because we had a lot of homebrew. A lot of homebrew. And so yep. with homebrew, you never know. You never know. And some commercial beer. I'm going to say the ratio of good beer to bad beer that night was like... Uh, there were some hits. There yeah, were a few. Yeah, like We opened like maybe 30 or 40 bottles. At least. Maybe five of them <laughs> oh, yeah. were drinkable That's about beers. Right. I actually yeah. remember none of them being drinkable. Oh, no. There was a there couple. Was? Yeah. There were a couple great beers. Well, I didn't get in on those. Maybe a yeah. couple funky <laughs> beers that were maybe not intentionally funky or a, a yeah, Belgian-style beer that survived the journey. Yeah, there was like, you know, it would have been like a, a mirror pond. We're like, oh, this is funky. <laughs> it's sour. <laughs> oh. we, I remember we had a five-gallon bucket that was like an old fermenter or a, a PBW bucket, and that thing was just full of bad beer yeah, dump yes. in like an hour. Our, our dump I was bucket. trying to carry that thing outside. It was like sloshing and spilling all over the I was place. stoked for it because I, I assumed that it meant we could all bring our bad beer over. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, I have tons of crap. That, and, and I'm like, like, no, 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 no. We got to get crazy? rid of beer. Yeah. Trying to clear out the fridge. <laughs> yeah. It was the stripperator. That thing was just full. We had to get rid Yeah, we had to empty out the stripperator, which the stripperator died like a sad death after the rat pad. I gave it to Chad. It felt unloved. And Chad said, hey, bring it down to the, to the bar he was working out at, at the time. And I, I thought, okay, good. It's going to get a new home. It was supposed to be used on the patio at uh, Handles or whatever it's called yeah. down there. In, um, Pleasanton. Uh, Pleasanton. It never did. They left it outside, and it just, like, rusted and broke. The stripperator. Oh. No respect. Well, they, they did have it on the patio. I mean, <laughs> well, they had it on the patio with the dumpster, the wrong patio. Oh, they had it on the dumpster patio. Oh. Think about this thing's life. Like it started out life in a strip club, living the good, living the dream. First, it was made in Mexico. <laughs> well, first it was yeah. made in Mexico. Then it was in a strip club as a two tower, like five door. And then something happened. They didn't need it anymore. And. I don't know, they were listeners to the show or something, and they thought of us. So they called Chad, and they said, hey, our strip club no longer needs this kegerator. We, maybe you guys do. We were like, yes. So we, we go get it. We put it in our house, and it does great work for us, right, for like three, I don't know, five years. I don't know how long we had it. When we moved out, we didn't put anything under the stripperator. No, the, no, no. Why would the, you do that? And the carpet? Yeah. It was just like this big, brown, rusted rectangle, like the size of a large man's <laughs> coffin on the, on the carpet. Ugh. Remember uh, there was whatever. a little tray down by the bottom one of the doors that would, where, where the water would leak out yes. particularly yes. excessively? Yeah. They're just going to empty that every once in a while. I was looking pretty scuzzy under there. We also had to like change the fan on the thing several times because it, just, it would rattle like crazy, and it was right <laughs> next to my bedroom. So I essentially went to bed every night with the sound of... 
Like really loud. Too. It wasn't just next to your bedroom. It was pushed against, up against the wall, the wall <laughs> yeah. that your bedroom shared. So your bedroom was shaking, not, yes. just, not just noise. They yes. kept you from having to hear Schumann, though, so that might have been a benefit. <laughs> it was a pleasant. Yeah, that's where I was like, yeah, we don't really have White to fix noise. It. Yeah, it was white noise. Now I can't sleep. I haven't slept that well since. <laughs> it's, been, it's been three years since I've slept so well. And now look at us. Now, uh,. Now we have turds in the wall <laughs> keeping you up at night. Yeah, it's true. Actually, even our kegerator here, it's not a kegerator, it's a walk in cooler here. Graduated. I should get the lingo right. Well, we come into Bevo's office there, the Bevo booth. I come in, you know, after we put everything together. I'm already annoyed by all the things you can hear. And what do I hear in there? I turn on Bevo's microphone. <laughs> and it's the, it's the walk in cooler. And then you instantly fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I just passed out right there. Uh, I don't know what I did. I tweaked Bevo. Bevo's your microphone on right now? Turn it on. Let's see if we can still hear the. Uh... Hello? Hi. Yeah, I think I fixed it somehow. I could put a, I don't uh, hear it. Maybe. There are people uh, in the chat complaining that there's a hum over the live stream audio, though. That's so. another thing that I... Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're not, you're not done tweaking <laughs> shit yet, dude. <laughs> well, that I... At least I know what I broke. Well, take your time, mm-hmm. because the second you get it dialed in is when we're going to move studios. Right. So don't, don't do it just yet. I, I agree. But you want to feel good about yourself, go back and listen to those first few months of shows. Yeah. And compare the audio quality. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't suck these days. That's true. Oh, you mean back when Justin used to care about homebrew? <laughs> yeah. Whatever they say on the feedback. Uh, I'm not sure I ever cared. I just... He tried. <laughs> I just found it fascinating. He even got it right sometimes. Yeah. I haven't tasted my beer that we did on our uh, collaboration. Oh, you haven't tasted the, oh, well, collaboration. I, uh, I tasted waff. it when I kegged it. Yep. Um, and it was tasting pretty good. It, uh, I, th- I talked about it on the show already that it had this bitterness to it, and I was hoping yep. that's just going to drop out with some some lagering. So it's been lagering. I kegged, you know, two kegs, put it in my my kegerator at home, and I just kind of forgetting about it. Put yeah. this, put the CO two on it to get it all carbonated. I didn't shake it or anything because I was in no rush for this beer. But I haven't gone back to check it out since. I'm just kind of leaving it alone. It's funny to, to hear you say uh, how am I trying to put this. Uh, different steps in homebrewing because when you say them, they sound new and fresh, like you just discovered them. <laughs> like a, yeah. well, it's been lagering. Yeah. So Lager- you know, have you heard of the thing? Have you heard about this lagering thing? <laughs> because, it's doing it. I didn't have to shake it. Have you heard of that? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly because it's mostly that I skip several steps, so so that every brew yeah. I use, I utilize different steps that most. Brewers use every time. Yeah, I use just you know at random times. Yeah, well that's the the, the JP method of letting uh, beer age. Yeah, forgetting yeah. about it. Co- being cold, being cold, yeah. yeah, being cold in a keg and not shaking it. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Amazingly, it you clears too. We'll see how it goes. Well, that's a that's a, a positive byproduct. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how it goes. It's going to be good. It's going <laughs> to bitterness is going to drop. It's all going to come into focus, Justin. It's going to yeah. be the best. It's been lagering because you left yeah. it alone because yeah. you didn't drink it yet. <laughs> Have you guys heard about what this lagering does? It like it really clears beer out. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. I hope it's good because one way or another, I have to serve it at NHC. Yeah. And uh, probably not BNA ten. I should probably not the anniversary party, but I no. do have to serve it at like the Club hospitality night. suite. Club night or the hospitality mm. suite or something. Well, I think both. So what style I'm really, of beer was it? I forget. American brown ale? Yeah, it was like an American brown ale. <laughs> yeah. You should, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't know, what's a commercial brown ale that's any good? Downtown uh, brown or something? You should get that. Get a of that and serve it. Just as a backup? Yeah. There was a moment where I tasted it out of the fermenter and I thought I had screwed it up. And I was going to brew another batch. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in the history of the show, 
I wasn't going to tell anybody about it. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow. I, like I tell you guys all my mistakes. I come in here and I go, I screwed up again. I, w- I was going to lie for the first time ever. Just I was going to I was going to brew a new batch and hope it came out right because I brewed with Mike from Society. He was my partner. I didn't want him to look bad, and I felt like it was enough already. Like how many beers do I have to screw up before <laughs> I, you know I finally offer people a nice homebrew? So I was going to a cheat, lot. but then I tasted it. You know, a, a week or so later when I kegged it and it was fine didn't even need to there was just a little moment where it was unhappy and now it's ha- i it had an awkward phase and now it's all good again yeah like yeah. like us growing up exactly jp's still JP's um, still there i'm still blossoming i'm kind of still there you know everyone <laughs> you are kind of still yeah. there Nate. you're definitely still in your awkward phase minus the pimples <laughs> all right well we do have a great homebrew related show for you today today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at more beer you can go to morebeer.com right now and check them out and if you do right now they're doing another giveaway this time for the advanced homebrewing course at siebel and basically for every product review that you go fill out between uh it was gonna it was may 1st and uh the 31st so all the whole month of may uh you'll be automatically entered uh, for a chance to win uh, a seat in the advanced homebrew course at siebel which is just a great course uh, everybody who goes to that says it's a blast you have great instructors there like uh, chris graham uh, i think he still does it uh, chris white normally does it ray daniels is there doing it. they had just have an all-star c- cast of instructors it's a week long or five days and it's just awesome and more beer is giving you a chance to win so if you've used any of their products uh, go over write a review and for every one that you do you're entered for a chance to win this uh, that's for the whole month of may so get over there and do it now and then also thank them for bringing you this show and they've been doing that since before we had a kegerator right you know for a long time way back in the day way, way yeah pk you remember conical christmas i do remember conical with i the, still the feel the like best, that was my best radio promo best ever photo in the entire universe what was the photo <laughs> it was just it was the conical up against that terrible um camouflage uh camouflage like flannel <laughs> Like fleece kind of material that you had, right? And we had—I remember—was trying to set up the camera. We had a camera, and then we had one spot, and so spotlight on you know, kind of matted uh, stainless doesn't look. Why very did good. we take the photo anyway? It, because yeah. we're dumb. <laughs> like Morbier didn't have any uh, product photos at the time. I don't know. I think it was, it was pretty early of, for them too. Well, we were starting to get uh, go into the foray of you know, uh, here's a video. It was like the first we had. We had one camera at the time. The be- the at the BN, game. yeah, oh, in the studio, and I think that, and then I think we set it up. We set it up to go to the conical, right? The beaver. Cam. You had the yeah. little webcam, remember, like remember the, at the beaver conical? cam? How come no <laughs> one's lasted, asked us for a beaver cam here in the new studio? That lasted one show. <laughs> no, it didn't. Yes, it did. No, it did I not. Think the name did. No, the it was there for forever. It. Remember that we – I don't know why this is all of a sudden the nostalgia show. But we, <laughs> we, topic. we talked about a, a beer writer once. It was this, uh, this female blogger. And uh, <laughs> I think all my questions were about whether or not she was hot, and she became offended by that. <laughs> yeah. she, and she wrote in and, – and, and in her ar- – no, she wrote an article about it. And, and in her article, she said, these guys have a beaver cam. Yeah. And I was like, well, who's got the dirty mind? It's because our call screener's name is Beaver. Right. It's not because we had a vagina camera. <laughs> FYI, my name She's the beaver. sicko. <laughs> Close enough. Her parents are hippies. Uh Anyway. Well, if you'll recall, when we looked up the it name Beverly, it's like Beaver Clearing or something, like right? Beaver Stream. Yeah, there you go. Your name is Beaver. <laughs> My mom hates me. She does hate you. <laughs>
All right. On tonight's program, we are going to be speaking to our good friend, Gordon Strong. Yeah. And he's going to be talking to us about the new Beer Judge Certification Program guidelines. I know it sounds really nerdy, but uh, Gordon's a good guy. And these guidelines are what make the competitions that breweries uh, enter, both on the homebrew side and on the professional side. It's these guidelines that really help us decipher the different styles of beers. And uh, they're not just for beer geeks, although we are going to get pretty in-depth with them tonight like a beer geek yeah all the categories like the nhcu eventually work around these type of guidelines regional competitions that might take some time but that's since these have just released last week it's a good opportunity for us to ask gordon those questions for you guys to ask him about that as well and the cool thing for me about this is that it, they're kind of a measure of how beer is evolving so if you look at our menu right now at the hop grenade uh you're gonna see like a session ipa up there well the last time the bjcp guidelines were written that wasn't even really a, a style and there's it just it's always kind of evolving different beer styles barrel aging different types of sour beers uh, we were talking to a bunch of uh, all-star sour brewers the other day, um, and, and Vinny Chalurzo from Russian River made this comment that the first time he entered a sour beer into the Great American Beer Festival, there was only one category for that. It was, and he didn't even remember exactly what the category was called, but it was like other, you know, funk beer, whatever it was. And, and back then there was just one, and now there's like four or five different categories at the Great American Beer Festival that you can enter a sour beer into. There's the barrel-aged kind, and there's a Brett kind, and, and you name it. So uh, so to me, it's going to be fun just to talk about how beer's evolving with Gordon. Yeah, the IPA categories now are crazy compared to what they were in the 2008 guidelines, and it's a good thing, because you yeah. have so much interest in things like that. And that's just one example. There's a whole historical beer category, which didn't even exist nice. before. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Vinny went on to say that uh, it's not just that there's a lot more categories. It's that all the categories are stacked pretty deep. There's a lot of entries in all of them. Yes. So it's not weird stuff where I go to, you know, shop for brewing with style and I try to look in the uh, English, Scottish, 90 cream ale, and there just there are none. Sure. This is there's a lot of entries. And, and all sorts of categories. Yeah, so that'll be fun to just talk about what new ones are coming out and how the BJCP is evolving with that. So we'll be doing that with Gordon in just a few minutes. And then Nathan Smith, yeah, as you may have already noticed, is back in the studio with us this week, and he's going to talk to us about knowing your ingredients as a brewer because you... Well, you probably should. I know nothing about my ingredients. No, we're going to find uh, out. There's this thing called homebrewing. <laughs> Wait, have you heard of it? Wait, yeah. what? Yeah. Are you going to be talking about the ingredient called lager? Uh, lagering. The, the lagering ingredient. The lagering it's a, ingredient. It's a powder. I used, I used grains, so <laughs> yeah. that's good. Yeah, I used it to produce flavors. Right. There are lots of flavors yeah. in the beer. There's flavors. That's that's good, From right? From the grains. Right? Guys, yeah. stop burning our content. Let's wait right. till we get Were to the Were they cereal segment, grains or yeah. malted grains? Oh, sorry. We'll save that. Yeah, please. Fuck if I know. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, Don't get technical, Nate. So a lot to do today. Uh, first of all, let me remind you, we now have a official Drunk of the Week hotline. You can call in 855-WIN-DOTW, 855-WIN-DRUNK of the Week, and you can leave us uh, drunk messages uh, all week long. You know, to your heart's content. And some of you are doing that, and it's, it's fun for us to listen to. We, pl- <laughs> we often play them on the show if we get any good ones. But now you don't have to be drunk on a Monday during the show to call in. Although, if you want to do that, that's fine, too. Now you can call all week long, 855-WIN-DOTW. Uh, some of you are wondering about our uh, 10th anniversary party. It's the BNA 10 White Labs 20 party happening June 10th in San Diego, the night before the National Homebrewers Conference begins. And for those of you who are subscribers to the Brewing Network, those of you that are monthly uh, recurring donors, you will get a chance to buy tickets 
this weekend. That's right. You'll get an email this week about how to purchase tickets, and uh, only recurring donors are going to get a chance to do it early. Those of you uh, who are recurring donors are probably going to scoop up all the VIP tickets because those are pretty limited. And then general admission will go on sale to everybody else after that. So uh, you probably have until Wednesday, maybe tomorrow night, to sign up as a recurring donor um, if you if you want in on the on the early ticket purchase. But uh, hopefully, those of you who have been longtime uh, donors, are, you're already there, and, and we're going to take care of you. So I donate long time, and then uh, tickets will go on sale to everybody else uh, next week. So we're getting everything together. Uh, breweries are uh, getting their invites this week, and we've got the location all sorted out. It's at the Broadway Pier in downtown San Diego, and I'm getting excited about it. We've got some of the entertainment lined up already. Oh! Yeah, we've got a great band playing. Uh, that information, Four Friends and Sam? Uh, not, Four <laughs> Friends and Sam is a little on the fence right now. I don't know if the BN band is going to make it. I told Sam that that might not happen, and he was like, tell Justin I can lead the band if he needs me to. So, I, was, <laughs> I was talking to Terrence, and he said he would be willing to do it, too. So Listen. So. <laughs> I mean, come on. Terrence can't even, like, commit to lunch. He can't even stop having a kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, congratulations, Terrence. He just had another baby uh, yes. this weekend. Frankie yeah. Wild. Yes. Already a stripper name Who, set w- and ready to go. Which I'm- is fitting because apparently it's my goddaughter. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There you go. Yeah. I'm calling her Sparkle since she's already going to be a stripper. Even a closer stripper name. <laughs> yeah. I've also heard that she's white, so I don't know what Becca's been doing, but... Uh, it's the whitest baby I've ever seen. It's a pretty white baby, yeah. huh? That's, that's going to be no, interesting. the other ones were kind of white when they were born. It no. takes a while for that to kind of... <laughs> no. I know, Terrence has been extra miserable lately, and this would explain why, if Becca's been you know sleeping around. Yeah, what, what I've realized is that Becca and Terrence are the most oversharing people in the in the universe more than us yes so Taryn and i went to see them in the hospital yesterday and becca proceeds to describe okay, the moment describe of me. i'm not going to okay. but the moment of conception okay and the thing that terrence uttered to her what okay wait, like, you have to tell me what was uttered can it be said over the, was over it, the is studio it the child? Speakers? No, no it can't is it the oh, child's no. name it was no it was but it was was it, it was filthy a, yeah well it was essentially that it was his fault because he chose to um, remain in place. Yes, Expel. to remain in place. <laughs> Unload. He was, Unload, as it were. He was at. Yes, he pulled up to the dock and he asked if it was okay if he unloaded the trailer. <laughs> and the dock worker said, "Uh," and that was clue to him that it was okay to get the people off the truck because by then the truck was already in neutral and rolling in that direction. Yes. So that he, he couldn't wait for the answer anyhow. Right. I don't think it was in neutral. It's probably in drive. <laughs> Yeah, it was, in, it was in fifth gear. <laughs> it was in overdrive. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I'm sitting here going, now I, I, now I picture Terrence <laughs> and saying, and I don't, that's just, you guys, oh, you guys share too much information. Stop it. I'm going to, next time he hugs you, hello, I'm going to make him say it to you as he's <laughs> hugging you. I'm make him say it in your ear. I like the notion that he asked for permission at that moment. Yeah. 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 And she's like, eh, but then she goes, no, I, you know, I, I, I said, uh, it's up to you. And uh, it was, it was a whole, they were really arguing. romantic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, Bebo, tell me that you're joking in this. I'm joking. Oh my gosh! Well, you had this. Horrible. You had this look on your face, like, yeah, I like that sort of Can thing. You tell the sarcasm, me. No, I was joking. They could have the stopped. And you're like, if only Sam would bring his boat to the dock. 
I love this answer. Yeah, the dock over there. I think it's the dry dock these the days, do- isn't it? Uh-huh. The dock called his sock. <laughs> Sam's boat is dry docked. Wow. It's in for repairs. Oh, no, it's not. It's in for service. Sam is loved. There's a drought, and the dock is just touching the, the ground. Uh, There's no water. they got to call someone yeah. to clean Dust. the barnacles yeah. off. He's unloading his kids off the pier. Call Beer Pal. He does that for a living. Oh, God. Uh, by the way, the chat room all want free tickets to be in a tent because there's like, you know, 20 of them in there or whatever. Um, let me think about it. Okay. No. It wasn't right. a no. Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah. It was coming. Out. I can't afford it. God. <laughs> we need to sell a lot of the tickets to be in a tent this year. I'll tell you that. The chat room wants to know if you would like to unload tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so romantic, Bill. Uh, how about this for an answer? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> meh. Half right. these people won't even show up. So Stay tuned to BNA10.com uh, for general information, and stay tuned to your email. Uh, if you don't get an email by uh, Thursday or Friday, then make sure you, you send us, because it means you're being blocked. Check your spam. It happens all the time uh, that people go, hey, I never got an email. They go look in their spam, and, and there it is. So make sure you uh, – I believe the email address is bnarmy at thebrewingnetwork.com that it's going to come from. So just uh, awesome. make sure you whitelist that, and uh, if you oh. don't get an email and you are a recurring donor, don't hesitate to let us know. We'll Make sure you get the info you need. We can cross-check all that. So, All right. Hey, the latest installment, the third and final installment of our Rogue Trip is up as of this morning. Uh, part three of the Brewing Network Club Rogue Trip. And it's a fun one. This one is the actual brew day at Rogue with John Meyer involved, of course, and then our winner, Ben. Uh, he's in there. JP is the host of the program. Uh, uh, sort of. Of the third one. A week. lot of my hosting was cut, which uh, I don't know how to take. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, I'll have to talk to... Uh, I'll have to talk to... Um What's his name? About just it? saving your best material for later. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Oh man, I was so I was so consumed with allergies. My face is all puffy, and I just I talk I'm talking like this a lot. Oh, like we're here we are at Rogue Ales. I thought it seemed normal. No, I didn't. Uh... <laughs> we're gonna be John Mayer today, everybody. <laughs> Check it out. Today we're gonna do a little bit of brewing. It's gonna be very nice. <laughs> Don't touch his beard, everybody. <laughs> yeah. There's poopy in it. <laughs> So go check it out. Right now it's on our Facebook page. It's on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash brewing network, facebook.com slash brewing network. Uh, just go check it out. It's a good video, and that's our third installment. The next video you're going to see from us is when we go to the Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Fest, yes. uh, which is at the end of this month. So we'll be there. Tickets are not available. So the best way to experience it if you don't have tickets is to watch our video. We're going to do a couple videos from the event uh, when we do some panel interviews. They have world-class brewers from uh, – all over the place. So we're going to do two different panel interviews. There'll be videos from that. And then uh, two different on-the-road videos from us you'll get. So exciting stuff coming up. They will also uh, be uh, uh, Firestone Barrel Works will be on the Sour Hour uh, this Wednesday, the 13th. Oh, yeah? Yep. Firestone Walkery Month. So is is that... Brinelson, who's the brewer for that, or is there another brewer? No, they have like a head of their barrel program. I forget his name. And that dude's coming on the show. Yes. Nice. That's this Wednesday? Yep. I like it. All right, you can support us by doing your Amazon shopping. Just click the Amazon link on our homepage, and then we get a little piece of the action. It's, uh, it's, a- Amazon it's, uh, shopping. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Amazon uh, it's shopping. Amazon. It's great. It's a great thing. Uh, what's our Amazon product of the week? The LG Envoy 2 no-contract uh, U.S. cellular phone. No contract. I don't, if you guys watch TV, that's what's known as a burner phone, Oh, uh, I guess. Uh, but I want to show you guys uh, real quick what this phone is. 
because you guys made fun of me a lot uh, back in 2012. It's when a I, flip phone. Yeah, when oh, I first yeah. got flip my phone. iPhone 5, you guys all, you know, you, you'd all called me a Luddite for years. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. So I finally pulled the trigger in 2012. It's now 2015, and there are still people... Not on the smartphone train. First of all, I don't know that anybody at the Brewing Network except for you is going to use the word Luddite. Uh, I'm sure our name was much more offensive than that. I don't Uh, even know what Luddite means. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I am surprised. Is it a Windows flip phone? Because uh, we've been making fun of Windows phones recently. I don't don't believe so. It does Uh, have a 1.3 megapixel camera. You've got to boot Windows 3.1 and watch the blue screen before it does stuff. The the thing that's funny to me about those the flip phones with cameras is... It's not like you can view the photo on the on the on the phone. At least yeah. you, it looks like well, you MS DOS. Yes. like yeah. it doesn't really look bad. like it anything. It looks like a like yeah. an old Sega Genesis. Yeah, game. It's eight bit, uh, sixteen bit. Yeah. You see Super so Mario the, looking back at you. What's the point? Can you text or anything on these on you these can, flip phones? Yes, text enabled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can text message. Do you have to? Does it have an antenna that you still have to pull up and out of it, and you have to plug it into a wall when you use it? Yeah, it's like carrying around a big brick. And there's an antenna that comes off the it top. Does not look like it has an antenna. So it's. I mean, it's a modern flip phone. So it's not go nuts. I think my and I'm glad that you mentioned like burner phone because my impression is that if you're buying this phone, you're doing illegal things. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Whoever that listener is of ours is either selling pot. Well, the burners uh, are like the pay. You like you pay sixty minute like con cards. You just burn yeah. it. I went, that could be like a, even like an international Right, but then you person. have to buy the crappy phone to use it. You have to buy the crappy it. phone for like 20 bucks at it is Walmart. Yeah, but no, the same as... Oh, there you go, yeah. yeah. But yeah. the point is the same. Yeah. He's doing illegal activity. Or he's going to Europe. Hmm. To do oh, well, what do you think he's going to do when he's there? Legal shit? Maybe. He's <laughs> gonna, or like his mom. He's going to Europe to get more cocaine. He's, he's, gonna, gonna, go, he's, yeah. doing. he's gonna go burning, you know. Yeah. All anyway, right. you're my hero. Whoever ordered this, so uh, thanks for the buck seventy six that we got from this uh, phone. People are still buying them. We well, appreciate like, it. It's like using cassette tapes. It's cool again now. <laughs> you get a burner back phone. in. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. They are. Cassette tapes are coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I go to shows. I go to shows now. Bands of the kids are like 22 years old, and they're like, you can have our, you can go get our cassette tape after we're done playing. I love that. All right. This is stupid. (laughs) Cassette tapes always sucked. They always sucked. At least with, all right, at least with vinyl, there, there is still an argument to be made about the the sound quality. Yep. That they were, uh, that it's still a a better sound quality. Uh, You're playing a physical thing, and it's different. And it's, and that it's, it is more. Accurate to to uh, an actual instrument because it's analog in this yeah. set. Okay, so at least an argument can be made for the vinyl douchebags, um, but the cassette tape douchebags are just <laughs> douchebags. Uh, no, hey guys, uh, we're bringing back cassette tapes because <laughs> because I can't really tell you why, other than they were not cool yesterday and today they are cool. Right. Cassette tapes. <laughs> It's just a stupid. It's, it's pretty. Stupid. Du- it's, it's basically like uh, you know going back to the days of uh, uh, a roller skate with a key. It's like <laughs> there's different ways around this that you don't need to do. But it's like we're gonna go. We're gonna go far back. It's probably easier to find a record player yes. than a cassette tape player. Oh, yes. yes. That yeah, being definitely. said, my ten year old Acura has it's, a cassette player. It's <laughs> so what do I know? See, that's wow. the thing. They were still building cars with them into the well into the mid two thousand. Oh yeah, which is weird to me. My pickup truck still has a cassette tape player in it. It's who, great. Who had it's great. <laughs> My 2004 Corolla had one. I loved it. I used it uh, to play my iPod. I can't imagine that even in 2004 that that was still in demand, that people went to the dealership and they were like, 
Oh no, it doesn't have a cassette player. <laughs> oh, it was it was the dual. It had a, a CD player and a cassette player. Ooh. I'm trying to remember what High year roller. it was that I last inserted a cassette into a cassette deck, and it was well before 2000. It was By it cassette cause... deck? Do you mean your butt? Yes. <laughs> I was recording. I was recording radio onto cassettes, talk radio, in like eh, 2001, 2002. <laughs> Nerd. But that's wow. about right there. <laughs> Not only were you using yeah. cassettes, you were recording yeah. talk radio was, yeah. onto I was, them. I was, I was you were the guy who started the trend to bring them back. Yeah. It was Moscow. I keep circulating the tape. <laughs> you got to have <laughs> the, uh, the auto reverse, though, because the shows are very long, of oh, course. Yes. Yeah. I was picturing you somehow with like uh, the Radio Shack cassette deck like next to the actual radio like yeah, I've done that. next to the speaker i used yeah. to do that for dr demento that's how i would record dr demento shows sean hannity has a special on tonight i am going yeah. to record it on cassette michael savage is going to premiere on four networks so i keep trying to have i'm going to save it for posterity on cassette I keep trying you know what's great about cassettes nothing that's why i love them if you keep them in a cryogenically frozen tube their whole life they never warp i have lots of c60s in there there's like nothing durable about a cassette. No, no. you play it the next day; it's already broken. <laughs> you have to have, a, have, to have a, a, a big cache of Bic pins to wind them back up when the thing eats it. One day, someone is going to find my cassette collection buried underneath the house, and they're going to love all the news I say. It's my time capsule. <laughs> you used to hear that all the time: the notion of architects digging up our yes. society. Like, oh, when they discover, and they're going to wonder what implants on a woman because there's going to be two silicone sacks <laughs> sitting on top right. of a skeleton and a, and a crapload of mixed tapes yeah <laughs> oh i loved mixtapes yeah. 80s ladies i keep trying to get sam to get rid of his crap Apparently the early 2000s and i found a sony mini disc player those <sighs> never took off like oh. they were supposed no to. <laughs> they never did i i don't even know what that is they were looking, i had they were one for a walkman hit again i bought a sony mini disc in 2005 when we started the brewing network to record interviews on oh the have another thing? one if you the want little, <laughs> yeah. little so you were the yeah. one I had two of them because back then it was the it was a great way to get high quality and long format interviews, mm. and I did a couple of them, but they were so hard to get off of the mini yeah. disc that I never used did, the thing. I think I remember you actually uh, deleting content when you were trying to remove it from that. Uh, that's uh, this sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah, so. which uh, you know leads into our uh, long and sorted history of providing out of show content. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> never happens. Premium uh, out-of-show content. There you go. Did you send me feedback this week? Uh, yeah, it's in the folder, baby. I can't find it. I'm going to pull it up. It, but I can't find it. All these updates and more. Oh, there we go. Pull it oh, out. No, Twitter not... and Facebook. Yeah, over on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you. We're kind of running out of time for it. I'll, I'll find it at the break, and we'll, we'll do it later right. in, the, in the program. How about that? Uh, all right, don't forget, this is your last week to enter into the Samuel Adams Longshot Competition. We've been reminding uh, you about this for a couple weeks now, and the deadline is May 16th, so I think that's Saturday. So there's still a chance for you to enter, and I recommend you do it, man. The, the, the people that have done it around us have won. Uh, it's it's called a long shot, but I don't think the shot's that long if you produce some it's good beer. It's a really cool competition. I've gotten really close a couple times, and they treat those people even really well. But Tasty's experience yep. is, was a pretty amazing one. And, and I they, think this year they're picking a winner from the East and a winner from the West. So, oh, nice. Uh, I don't know if then they, they compete as a finalist, but at least there's more chances to get in there. Plus, you win five grand. You get your beer distributed in a 12-pack nationwide. Uh, it's really about one of the coolest things you could win as a home brewer. So go check it out over at, uh, what do we have here, SamuelAdams.com probably, and I you can so. uh, get all the information. Don't forget, you get 5000 bucks if you win. You get a trip to uh, the Great American Beer Festival. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, just now, just for being a finalist, you get a trip to the Great American Beer Festival because yeah, that's you where the win. you don't have to win. Just become a finalist, so you got that's an even better opportunity there. SamuelAdams.com slash Longshot, and uh, the the homebrew submission window ends uh, May sixteenth. And so, for those of you who want to get feedback on your beers, but you don't necessarily have the cash chance or other competitions, this one's free. There you go. Oh, and that's you get, right. You'll get some great feedback. With Good point. Very low expense on your part. How much are regular competitions now? Like eight bucks an entry? Yeah, around that range, six to eight, somewhere in that range per entry. Boy, some people spend some cash. Oh yeah, on, sometimes even more. I mean, I think the many, nationals now are up to double digits. So I haven't had you in here recently, Nate. How many beers did you enter into the first round this year? I didn't. I abstained this time. You retired? No, didn't retire. Just you skipped sabbatical, taking, taking a break. I yep. see. Yep. Yep. Because you're disheartened I get or busy again, you know, get my heart broken no. <laughs> again. You're like, I can't have consecutive heartbreaks. <laughs> no, I've been messing around with stuff that may not necessarily fit into categories as easily, and that's just a really fancy way of saying I'm too lazy to bottle it up. I see. <laughs> and send it out. No, but I will return, just not this time. Okay. Can I, you all have a chance? So yeah, right. Like I'm anyway. Can I just clarify, as it pertains to the long shot? So are you saying there was a a, a competition you entered and you got really close, but you didn't win? Yeah. Well, Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, don't you... beat me out. I mean, come on. Oh, with that no, no, year? No, no, no. It, wasn't, it was a different year. Well, how, how did you know that you got close? How... They, so, let, they let you know if they want more beer so oh. they can reevaluate with all the, the bigwigs, so, so to speak. So it's pretty cool. So they ask you to resend in some examples of the beer that you sent? That's right. Interesting. So, good point. I'm glad that came up. If you do enter, keep some beer around okay. so that you have some beer to send if they ask you to send more. They may ask you to send more if you if you do really well in in your region. That's why I don't enter. Uh, you, you know, know. you just drink it all up. Yeah, I know? would never have beer to send <laughs> when. Uh, I mean, of course time. they would call me to, to send more <laughs> yeah. beer. So I I just don't bother. I don't want to disappoint anybody. You know. So wait, this is interesting. So Since was when? it a hop? I'm guessing it was a hop forward style that you entered, right? No, no, no. It was a oh, was it? it was a cold. Oh. Yeah. So if you enter a hop forward style, are you in an inherent disadvantage because if you if you your beer's really good, and they ask you to resend it. You don't have to sit, send this hot forward salad that's been sitting around for a while. Maybe it's not as good. Or if rebrew it. Exactly. Or rebrew oh. if you have the time. But typically when, when they ask you for more, they're asking because they want it in two weeks, yeah. not in two months. So you may, may, not, may or may not have that, that sort of time. No. Yeah. Yeah. But a good hoppy beer should last you know, at least four to six weeks, let's hope. Yeah. But it may, but it may be not uh, a superior example on week number five, and that's know. what they're tasting in the the final round. True, I think that's true. But if they, ta- I think also they're a pretty savvy company, and they take it pretty seriously. So if they tasted the first one, you're still at slightly disadvantage. But then they taste the second one, they might be able to attribute a little bit of hops right. to, to knowing the time difference. McDowell yeah. won with the uh, Imperial IPA. I think Rodney Kibsey right. won with the Black IPA recently. There have been hoppy beers that, that have done well there. So don't let that discourage yeah. you. Do you remember asking uh, Tasty if he? Uh, rebrewed and I remember him talking about it on the show, and I'm pretty sure he did rebrew. Yeah, he did. That's quite yeah. possible. He was yeah. all about rebrewing mm-hmm. and making sure because he knows how to repeat the process. He's not worried that if he does another batch, it's going to taste different. He's confident it's going to taste the same. So he's a bit of an advantage there. Definitely. So, all right. Well, don't forget SamuelAdams.com/slash/longshot if you want to enter, and I suggest you do. Then you can hang out with us at JBF. It'll be fun. We're fun. I don't know if you knew that. Go to Falling Rock. You'll see how fun we are. We are fun. We're super fun. Well, I'm not, but they are. Yeah, I'm not fun at all. Are you going to GABF this year, Beef? I think so, yeah. Are you going to be pregnant or anything? <laughs> After witnessing Becca go through what she went through, um, yes. I might uh, 
tap out of having another one for a while. It's yeah. It's a little too fresh. I like to hear that. I mean, not that I'm anti-baby or anything, but... But what if Sam asks right in the, you know, right before the Sam's thing? not going to ask. He's just going to go, eh, you know, that's you. Sam doesn't have an opinion on anything. Ever. <laughs> Bevo goes home and goes, we're going to have a kid this summer. Okay. And she goes home today and goes, I don't think we're going to have a kid for a while. Come on. I think that's like Sam's evil twin or something. That's, that's one I never. Poor Sam. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Gordon Strong from the BJCP is going to be on the program with us. We're going to learn about beer styles, new styles, old styles, all of it. Right here on the session. And then later on with Nate, we're going to learn about brewing ingredients. So hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to MoreBeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any 
Danny Brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the thebrewingnetwork.com. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got a lot to do tonight. A lot of homebrew action to do. Tasty's just joining us in the studio, fresh off a trip from San Diego. So, uh, welcome back, Tasty. Yeah, it's nice being back. Uh, quite a day of uh, drinking great beers down there in the old San Diego scene. What were you doing in San Diego anyway? Uh, friend Jeremy Wanamaker's had a bachelor party. Oh, nice. Nice, yeah, man. Yeah. So it was a beer bachelor party, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's what you go to San Diego for now. Yeah, it was fun. We <laughs> I picked Unless you go to Tijuana, then that's a whole other kind of bachelor yeah, yeah, party. Yeah, yeah, I intentionally didn't bring my passport. <laughs> Just in I case. Like, oh, we can't go to Tijuana. I didn't bring my passport. Yeah, in case it got late and they're like, yeah, we're yeah. going to Tijuana. Not me. I'm not going. <laughs> Just drop you off in North Park and you hit like 10 places. <laughs> Which, by the way, we had. I got that brought to us. I met a, at Boonville, I met uh, a girl who works at the Gentleman's Club there. Where? In, uh, in San Diego. Oh. So she rolled with us uh, both nights. Excellent. Yeah, it's great. Oh, that's always more fun. Yeah, it's always fun having a stripper with you. Yeah. Well, she's probably well up on her manners. I mean, it's a it's a club for for gentlemen. For gentlemen, exactly. She we probably were, knows. Very gentlemen. And I'm sure that you are a perfect gentleman. Oh, right. Just yeah. Other than an accidental bump here or there. All right. Speaking <laughs> of, <laughs> you know, you can pay her and get a full one. Right? <laughs> Not on off really? nights. Is it the hunt rather than the kill? Or no, no, no. that's right. That's right. It is the hunt. All right. Hey, speaking <laughs> of gentlemen, uh, don't forget that our good friends over at White Labs are putting on a homebrew yeast workshop and webinar down in San Diego uh, right before NHC. It's actually on. June 10th, the same night as our joint anniversary party. The uh, class is actually during the day, so you don't have to worry about missing anything. Um, in fact, I believe it starts at uh, 9 in the morning, and you're out of there by a little bit after noon. So it's a half-day uh, course. It's the uh, Homebrew Yeast Workshop. Now, you can also, you don't have to be attending NHC to go to it. Uh, you can do the webinar portion of it. So uh, it looks like early registration has ended. And I've been telling you about this for a few weeks. So if you missed early registration, that's your own damn fault. But you can still register. It's just going to cost you a, a few bucks extra now. But uh, there are some seats left, and I highly recommend that you take this course, uh, especially if you're going to be at NHC. But even if you're not, do the webinar. 
stopped in Morbury yesterday and I saw the new packaging from White Labs, the Pure Pitch, which I understand just came out recently. Oh, yeah. They had a whole refrigerator full of various varieties. Beautiful. Of so they really cool. are they're rolling it out. The debut is here. I love it. Okay. So go check out the Pure Pitch. And then, you know, if you want to improve your homebrew, certainly if you want to go pro one day, like I know most of you do, we hear about it all the time. Go check out the Homebrew Used to Workshop. Go to whitelabs.com right now. Click on the education button. You'll see all the details that you need right there. So I suggest you do it. All right. In the meantime, uh, we've got our good friend Gordon Strong on the radio with us. And Gordon, I'm going to try this, but I think I, I think I messed it up like I like I normally do. Your, uh, your intro. Oh, at least it's playing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon Strong won't appear on the show unless we play his theme music. It's oh, the tools one. It was in his yeah. rider. It's in, you got it. It's in his rider. Yeah. This doesn't sound like Bibbity Bobbity Boo. No. He, oh. <laughs> yeah. And we forget what song it is every time. <laughs> uh, it was a, it was an abnormally long rider too. I mean, Gordon, oh, who wow. do you think you are? Like the president? Green M and M's. You know. Come on. Yeah. Oh wait, you are the president, right? <laughs> uh, in this case, yes. Uh, all right, that's all I can do for you, Gordon. <laughs> How are you, buddy? No, it's great. I'm good. Good to hear from you, Jay. Yeah, you too. Thanks for being on the program with us. I appreciate it. What song was that? I've never... I'd... Oh, it's one of the best Tool songs Sober. ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sober. Did you say best and Tool song? Yeah, I did. Right. And if you don't like Tool, JP, you're worse than I thought. I'm oh, worse tool. than you thought. <laughs> Sucks. Oh, my God. They're horrible. They're some of the most talented musicians you will ever they see. great videos. I'm planning. They do have yeah, rad videos. holding out for prison sex. <laughs> it's all, another great song. Uh, but uh, Sober <laughs> is, their, is their best one. Uh, we should think, all, we should just communicate in tool songs. <laughs> we should. I, and I'm bad with with names of songs, but I'm pretty good with some of their lyrics. One of my favorite songs about theirs is all about California falling into the ocean, and I just think <laughs> it's it's just brilliant. It's it's what I would like to see happen to the southern half most of the time. Maybe not San Diego, but everything in between. <laughs> everything between here and San Diego, you know, it could fall in. Well, I would like Anaheim to be an island. Oh uh, yeah, I would, yes. I'd like Disneyland to survive. Holler, Firestone Walker can remain an island. Oh, <laughs> so okay. also, and they're building Harry Potter. Land, so that's oh, going to need to live. Gordon, I'm sorry about this. What do you think about Harry Potter? Land? Because I feel like... Stop! Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, so Gordon Strong is uh, the president of the Beard Judge Certification Program. Gordon, how long does your term go? Are you, like, president <laughs> yeah. forever? Uh, <laughs> until they vote me out, I guess. Is that what it is? There's no, like, uh, this has to get done every four years, or what? No, we actually have an election every year. Oh, you do? And you just keep getting... You're, so you're the schlep who keeps working hard. Yeah, or nobody else wants it. <laughs> <laughs> right. How big... That's so my problem. I, I want to start, Gordon, by learning more about the BJCP. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I mean, I know what it is, uh, but I get confused about the details sometimes. How long has the Beer Judge Certification Program been around, and why did it start? Um, since 1985. Okay, it's been a while. And... Uh, yeah, it started to provide judges to um, evaluate beers and homebrew competitions. What were judges you know, just, do, using before the certification program? I don't know, beats the hell out of me. Bunch of drunks in the parking <laughs> lot, I guess. Yeah, it was pretty. It would have been pretty <laughs> rudimentary. <laughs> you weren't around in '85. Where's Fred Eckhart? <laughs> and how is it different now? You're not in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay got it. <laughs> Because it must have been, I mean, now people sometimes still complain about judging, as you know, I'm sure, Gordon. Um, but, God, imagine what it was like when there were no guidelines, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Did, did we even have any good competitions before there were these guidelines we could use? 
Well, they had the national competition. I'm not exactly sure what they used way back then. Okay. Um, I, I heard they had you know some very small number of categories like dark ale. <laughs> right. You know, you could just enter whatever. Okay. Dark ale. <laughs> There's a California State homebrew competition that still happens every year, and they have some old school guidelines that are still used for that competition, which sort of give a nod back to, I think, how it was. So there and are it, still competitions that don't use the BJCP guidelines? There, there are few and far between anymore, but there are a couple, yeah, and that's one I can think of. And if you look at the guidelines... JBF. JBF, that's <laughs> another example. Yeah, for homebrew, though, specifically, right. yeah, it's most of them BJCP now. Okay. I think the, I think the Maltos Falcons in L.A. That's right. have their own guidelines, but they're... They're based on the BJCP guidelines. I see. <laughs> They're just like, well, we just have to make it our... It was probably a Drew decision. <laughs> Drew, he's like, I don't know. The BJCP is really good, but they don't have, like, Viking category. And <laughs> we have to... We'll have our own here in Malthouse Falcons for the Viking beer. How long have you been with the president, Gordon? Jeez, uh, it's almost 10 years now. Wow. How many revisions... Okay, so if the first guidelines come out in 1985, approximately how many styles were in it then? Do you know? Even, even ish. If oh, we don't, we don't have. I don't have those uh, resources. I have. See, back then the the BJCP was actually part of the HA. It was it was kind of a joint venture between um, kind of a homebrew shop trade organization and the HA. And uh, it kind of split off into an independent group in 94, and that's really when we we started developing our own materials. I see. So, yeah, we have we have guidelines that go back. I think the I think the oldest one we have is maybe 97. Okay. And do you know how many times it's been revised since 97? Uh, yeah, it was revised in 99, 2004, 2008, and uh, last week. <laughs> last week, they, they literally these this new revision just came out last week. Yeah. Okay. As soon as it was done, <laughs> out it goes. And that took uh, at least since 2008 and probably a lot of intense activity over the last couple of years to get there, though, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, been working on it for probably about four years, but um, the last, the, the the heavy work was all in the last two years. Okay. So what constitutes a, a revision? Do you go back and adjust existing styles or just add new ones that have come uh, to the scene? Well, it's kind of like software. You know, sometimes you have a major release and sometimes you have just sort of a service pack or maintenance release. Okay. So the last time, uh, 2008, that was kind of like a, um, just a tune-up to the 2004 guidelines. The 2004 guidelines were, you know, on par with this. It was a, it was a major change. We added like eight styles and um, – that's where we wound up with three IPAs instead of one. So I think every time we touch the guidelines, the <laughs> maybe I ask Moscow this. Is this like a Fibonacci or something? <laughs> it's like if you go from one to three to 15 or something. <laughs> Even it's Moscow like might number. be stumped on that. No, one. no, you took the words out of my mouth, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he was going to say. How am I supposed to contribute to the show if you just keep saying what I'm going to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, so so the last time 2008 that was just a that was just kind of a tweak. We um we updated things based on 
some new books that had been published in the interim, changed some commercial examples, tweaked some numbers, that kind of thing. But we didn't really add any styles. So with the with all the the people that have actually gotten into uh, homebrewing and the BJCP in the last five years, probably the 2008 guidelines are you know all they've ever known. Yeah. So uh, you know this has got to seem like a, a, ma- a major uh, shock to some people. But, um, you know, we do, we do change things now and then. We try to address the, the, the various complaints we've got. So we'll see how it goes. So what are some examples of, the, of those types of things? Are, are there historical inaccuracies that, that come up that you need to change as, as one example? Sure. Okay. Um, and and, and it's, it's more like us being made aware of um, historical inaccuracies. I mean, every time... Every time we publish one of these things, we're absolutely convinced that we're we're right. Sure. Um, until somebody like proves otherwise. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, especially as the BJCP's grown internationally, we we've had a lot of uh, input from uh, uh, people overseas. So um, that's been very helpful in, in tracking down some of the styles that. Uh, aren't uh, American, because we did also want this new set of guidelines to better reflect world beer styles and not just the state of the U.S. import market. Okay. Sounds like a good idea. Mm. <laughs> that makes us a little less dicky, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but what's the fun in that? <laughs> right. Uh, now, what about other revisions? Are there times when, say, uh, you know, I don't know, we could pick a style, but the spectrum of the style changes over time. So maybe we have to adjust uh, the the IBU levels, that the range that you might have put in there, or the color, or the – you see what I'm getting at. Do those oh, things sure, go absolutely. back and get edited as well? Yes. They do. Okay. Well, how do you how do you know where to uh, draw the line between updating an existing style and just making a new style? Yeah. Uh, well, it it kind of depends how the beers are represented in the market. I mean, are they called something different? Um, you know, if you had them side by side, um, would they seem like something completely different? Um, but at the end of the day, it's arbitrary. I mean, we've we've got to make the call um, to sort of say, no, this is really something else. But we do try to follow um, we do try to follow how the beers wind up in the market, even though we don't always call them the same things that they're called in the market. We might give it a descriptive term to something that's, um, you know, kind of a well understood concept, but nobody actually uses the name. Like Belgian Dark Strong, I mean, you're not going to find a beer from Belgium that's really called that. So, um, but, you know, those are some of the best beers you can find. But, you know, those are Belgians. They're just like, yeah, this is what our beer's called. Deal with it. Right. (laughs) But for us, the description, in this case, especially since it's used for judging, a description as a title is very helpful. Sure. Sure. Because it's it's a shorthand. So... Um, when you use the name, um, you're, you're kind of implying the entire description. So um, it's nice not to have to explain what a Belgian dark strong is because that, that style goes on almost a page. Right. But, you know, when I say that, you know, you should be immediately visualizing, you know, what, what those styles are like and probably drooling a little bit. <laughs> 
It's like you're it's like you're in my mouth, Gordon. <laughs> I think that's a lot of it might what, be. I think that's a lot of what the guidelines are for is kind of like, you know, making you drool. But not only just that, but yeah. so you can save time at the judging table. You have a common terminology for what something like Bells and Dark Strong Ale, which is an invention of American homebrewers to refer to things like App twelve or um you know, West Fletcher and twelve, you know, stuff like that is gonna help you from sitting down at the table and saying, okay, let's define this. And it's like this beer and like that beer. It's a little bit like this, a little bit like that. It's got a little bit of alcohol, but not too much. And so that's part of the reason in, in defining these categories, maybe with terms that the brewers themselves wouldn't use, like Bells and Dark Strong Ale. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the original intent of the guidelines is really so that the entrance in a homebrew competition and the judges of a homebrew competition are literally on the same page so that they're using the same uh, standards so that um, you know, people know what they're being judged against. But honestly, since the 2008 guidelines have been out, one of the things that we've seen is, is, is how widely the guidelines are used for purposes that we never intended. You know, a lot of people just use them to describe the beer um, universe in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're okay with that, but only if people sort of understand why we originally did it because, you know, sometimes the guidelines would get criticized for, oh, you know, you, did, you didn't include this other random style. But, you know, if, if we never see homebrewers making it or, you know, we've never had it, I don't know how we would describe it or that we necessarily have a need for it. So, um, you know, that's something that we have to take into account too. So, I mean, if we can't, if we're not really familiar with the style, we can't necessarily do a write-up ourselves. So we might be trying to find somebody who is familiar or somebody who can get good local examples to, uh, you know, to help get us started. See, I both appreciate and acknowledge beers outside of the BJCP guidelines and mm-hmm. consider the BJCP guidelines a pretty close guide to my beer universe. So I'm sort of straddling the fence on both, uh, Gordon, that I, I, do, I do reference them quite often. If I need to explain a beer on a show, uh, f- for sure, it's the first place that I go. In fact, I don't use any of the other social beer sites to, to reference beer. I almost oh, if I guess if I'm looking for a review, which I don't know why I would, uh, but uh, I, I pretty much always go straight to the BJCP to help me define my beer universe i'm not a i'm not a beer judge um i'm not certified yet it is an incredibly helpful tool that i consider the tool i use to help define my beer universe um yeah and i think i think you're not alone um especially since you know we don't charge for it exactly yeah we allow people to translate it um you know it's available in several languages uh you know we encouraged people when they contact us said we want to put this on mobile devices we want to turn this into an app said you know fine just respect our copyright give us credit for that um you know say it's used with permission and go ahead because it's uh, it's a really and what we say is that if you do that you can't charge people for it we're not charging for it so you're not charging for it it's an industry neutral you know brewery or distributor neutral way to convey a lot of information about the current state of the beer industry and like Gordon yeah, was saying, I think define. We don't really have any axes to grind or biases built into it. So I mean, we're just we're we want to be correct, um, you know, as best we understand it. So um, actually, when people do criticize the guidelines, 
you know, once, you know, once I get over the salvo, that, um, you know, I try to, I try to listen to what people are really saying because they're usually pointing out a deficiency somewhere, something that we need to address. Either we didn't explain something clearly enough or we got something wrong, but the better people that, you know, want to criticize will then, you know, give us some additional information or offer to work with us. And that's helpful because that's just, that's how it gets better. So the fact that it's free and so widely used begs the question, how is the organization itself uh, supported? I mean, you guys spend a lot of time on this. There clearly are some uh, monetary resources needed, especially when it comes to uh, actual judging and, and things like that in competition. So how does the BJCP get support? Uh, well, we give exams that, okay, yeah. you know, People pay everybody for but you. Everybody but you takes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like you need another failed exam, Gordon. Come on. Uh, you know. Uh, Red ink, just bleeding uh, from that one. So, so people pay for the exam. This is one way. Yeah, people people pay exam fees because um, really, I mean, we're not the style guideline organization. We're really a certification organization. So we're, you know, we certify that people are competent evaluators of uh, homebrewed beverages. So, you know, the, and the guidelines are just in support of that. Right. So we get, we, the BJCP gets money from uh, registering competitions and giving exams. So I have to just say to you that it is in, in, incredibly uh, substantial to me. It's, it's awesome that basically your study guide, your textbook that is, that is designed to support judges, designed to, to help us judge beer, designed for a whole other purpose, has been so widely used to educate and to help us with beer. Like you say, this completely different purpose than you guys intended. I mean, we get thanked here at the BN for, for our educational resources. And when I think about how the BJCP is used, the amount of effort that went into your textbook that we all just sort of use for all these other things, it's really incredible. It, it's, it's something else. You guys should be proud of yourselves for that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we I think we are. Um, it's like none of us get paid for this. It's a volunteer organization. Yeah. So it really is done for the community. Plus, you're very handsome, all of you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've, seen, I've seen all of you. Uh, <laughs> Gordon, can you give an example of um, beer that you or a style that you really debated whether or not to create a new style on this most recent edition, and maybe you decided for it or against it? Oh. Yeah, well, the whole way to handle the whole the whole way to handle all the various different IPAs, um, or the the what we ultimately wound up calling specialty IPAs, um, because you know if we're only going to update the guidelines every few years, you know how do you deal with things when every other week it seems like somebody's coming out with something new? Yeah. So we tried to come up with a way that is a little bit more maintainable. So we didn't just want to create, you know, a dozen new IPA styles. So we created one style and then had these actual individual write-ups that don't get their own number. They're just an example of that style. So you enter specialty IPA and say, yeah, this is a black IPA, and you can pull up. We have a, we have a write-up for that. And if you, if you come up with something that we haven't listed, then you ought to describe it yourself because, you know, we have like six, six examples of specialty IPAs. You know, they're all these color things, black, brown, white, red, uh, plus rye and Belgian. 
And um, all of those, just so I can understand this, having not judged at a table, all of those could be judged at the same table. So a black IPA could be judged against a red IPA because neither one has its own number. They're just a, a they have a description. Right. Okay. So they're they're kind of like specialty beers, but they're at least carved off because it used to be that if you judge the specialty gear, beer category, you get half black IPAs and like half, you know, sour something or other. Okay. And um, you know, if somebody really had something new and creative, um, it sort of didn't fit in there. And um, this at least gives competition organizers a tool for. Um, dividing up uh, um, flights so that like beers can be judged together. Okay. I like that. I think that's a great intermediate solution that you guys came up with, Gordon. Um, Thanks. Yeah, to, because there are. I think you're, the, the problem that you describe is the problem that I, that I think of all the time. With all these new styles coming out, you guys have to decide which one, becomes, which one gets a number. And then, of course, every Yahoo out there who thinks you, you, know, you were right or wrong, you're going to hear about it from them. Why, does that, why didn't this one get a number? Well, this is a way for you to include it in, I, I think, uh, the competition so that it doesn't just get thrown. More importantly, at a judging table, my beer doesn't just get thrown out because it didn't have a number, right? Right. Okay. Right. And, and there's another dimension that we added to it as well is we added a strength dimension. So you can, so you can take any of those things and then say that they're – um, a standard, a session, or a double. And um, that gives you basically an extra adjective to describe it. Um, and you can combine them. So you can say, you know, it's a black rye Belgian session IPA. Nice. And, and, <laughs> I like and, it. And you can kind of look up what all those things mean. Okay. So, so when you enter in that category, you would have to just make that, you can you have the option of making that distinction? Yeah, you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's up to recipe software and things like that to be updated to allow for it. But yeah. the guidelines actually are more explicit this time about there's a whole separate section under each style that says entry instructions. So oh. if you have to supply information when you enter uh-huh. that category, then it will tell you exactly what you need to supply. Oh, very good. So if you're entering... Category 21 IPA, 21B specialty IPA, you're expected to provide uh, strength as well as sub-specialty sub like Belgian black, brown, red, rye, white, etc. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it's kind of like if you're entering a fruit beer or something, you mm-hmm. know, you're expected to say what fruit you put in it. Right. So it's, it's in that same kind of comment um, that you know that would that would get passed along to the judges, but when it does get to the judge, they'll at least be able to go to the guidelines and say, okay, given that information, what should I expect? And we have that. All right, Gordon. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to start talking new styles and some specific yep. revisions. So I'm going to take a quick break, um, and then when we come back, I want to get into the, some of this stuff. And I didn't look. Because I don't, I, I wanted a little mystery about what got added. I'm reading uh, the uh, the descriptor for specialty. Plus, I'm lazy. Yes, <laughs> thank you. And it's it's interesting. They basically redefined IPA, literally. But re- there's still IPA, it. right? Like there's, there's still, still IPA, but American English. I mean, basically, it's like uh, you know they go. It's not meant to be spelled out as India Pale Ale. So, like what Gordon was saying, they've taken some some historical bits out of it. And IPA, to me, it seems like they're saying India pale ale never really existed in the first place. It didn't go to India. It wasn't really pale. 
Um, so IPA is just its own thing now. It's an acronym because the craft beer market knows what to expect from something called IPA. Is that accurate, Gordon? Yeah, yeah, that's that's almost a direct quote. Um, I'm because that. because you get into these things, particularly online, when the, you know the trolls crawl out of the caves, is <laughs> say. How can it be black and pale at the same time? That's right. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't say it's a black India pale ale. I said it was a black IPA. So, you know, it's fine if you don't spell it out. Sure. So the, but it's interesting, I think, because it seems like the consumer market is now driving the homebrew definitions. Well, um, no. A little bit. I mean, mostly we're just trying to be um, as clear as we can be. I mean, we have to choose something. One of the things they right. did in this version of the guidelines, I mean, you might have noticed from the the uh, past guidelines that sometimes a style had like two or three names. And, you know, we used to okay. say that any of those names were valid, but then people would read all of them at the same time like that was somehow the name, like um, English best special premium bitter or something like that. It's like, no, it's not all of those things. Just pick one of them. But, so since, so a lot of the changes in the guidelines are driven from me seeing people do stupid things with them. So like, okay, you didn't get that. I'll have to try again. Right. I like it. You clarify your language and intent sometimes for people. Otherwise, I'll try and quote it all, I guess. Yeah. All right, Gordon, let me do this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of these revisions. Sound good? Excellent. You know what else is uh, black and pale at the same time, by the way? Terrence's, Terrence's baby. That's <laughs> a new category in the BJCP. All right. Hang in there. It's the session. And when we come back, more on the new BJCP guidelines with Gordon Strong. Hang in there. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Limited time only. Enter promo code BNARMY during January and February for 10% off any Monster Mill. Don't settle for the second best grain mill. You want a Monster Mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. Monster Mills are tough, come in two and three roller designs, and are made right here in the USA from superior materials for longer lasting performance. Pick the mill that's right for you at monsterbrewinghardware.com and take Bevo's advice. Trust me, it's always better to have a bigger tool than you think you need. (laughs) Monster Mills have the best warranty in the business. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Visit MonsterBrewingHardware.com now and check out all the mills and mill accessories. Remember, during January and February, for 10% off any mill, enter promo code BNARMY. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. 
Hey, Wooly, I'm beat. Can we find a nice tree to just hang out in for a while? You're beat? I've been swinging through this forest for 50 years, ever since we... Ever since we first escaped from the circus. I know, I know, but there's got to be more to life than exploring this creek and trying to populate the valley by copulating with loose, hairy girls. Mark, we stop. Look! What is that? It looks like a man-made treehouse. With fresh food. And craft beer. Welcome to the Creek Monkey Tap House, boys. Grab a seat. Creek Monkeys drink free. Woohoo! Awesome! The Creek Monkey Tap House in Martinez, California, takes their mission of fresh food and beer seriously. They only serve locally raised beef and chicken, as well as local sustainable produce. It's better for you and the planet, and it just tastes better. The beer and wine at Creek Monkey Tap House are chosen with the same care for the highest quality and rotate frequently to make each visit an adventure. Swing on in to the Creek Monkey Tap House and enjoy a new legend of amazing food, beer, and wine. The Creek Monkey Tap House, online at creekmonkey.com. For nearly 40 years, one organization has had your back. The American Homebrewers Association. Are you a member? <laughs> Why not? Join the more than 40,000 brewers who enjoy all the American Homebrewers Association has to offer. Like Zymergy Magazine, in print and online, plus the Zymergy app. Zymergy is the leading publication for amateur brewers around the world. Supporters also get member deals at their local breweries, bars, and homebrew shops. These alone quickly pay for your membership. You'll also get great member-only resources at homebrewersassociation.org and access to AHA events like the National Homebrewers Conference and the National Homebrew Competition. The American Homebrewers Association promotes the hobby of homebrewing, protects the interests of homebrewers, and brings beer lovers together become a member today it costs less than a batch of beer and gives back so much more visit homebrewersassociation.org that's it i've had it i am never putting hops in my beer again what why it's just too ridiculous insane prices stupid contracts high shipping costs crappy selection dude you need nico brew Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Brewcasters are back. All right. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. I have a lot to do tonight. <laughs> thanks for thanks for hanging on for dear life. Thanks for just hanging. We on always there. we always address people like they don't want to be here, yeah. but they're doing us a big favor. Yeah, I have pretty much. Yeah. That's how I consider yeah. my life. Thanks for sticking it out. Yeah, my whole career is based on that. <laughs> Favors. Thank you, thank you guys for for sticking around. 
you know, stuck around for a while is our good sponsor over there at Beersmith. Go check out Beersmith Homebrewing Software right now. You can go to Beersmith.com and download the uh, free version. You get a 21-day trial. It's a uh, Mac and, and PC and I don't know. I can't even keep up. There's so many Linux. Uh, maybe it's Linux now. I don't even know. Uh, Beersmith.com has got DVDs and podcasts and you name it. But most importantly, that wonderful brewing software that we all use here. And Brad's just a good guy keeping it up to date for you. So don't take my word for it. Go get your free trial. And uh, if you don't like it, you're a jerk. Uh, but you haven't spent any money. So, wow. Yeah. So there's you're, that. You're still a rich jerk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Gordon, you still with us, buddy? I'm here. Excellent. See, Gordon stuck around. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Gordon. Not, not just everybody, JP. All right, Gordon. So before the break, we started talking about uh, that I wanted to get to the nitty-gritty on, on what actually got uh, added uh, and or revised. So can we get some examples of that? Maybe some. Give us the big ones here. Well, I mentioned specialty IPA. That was probably the biggest request that we had was some some combination of those. And uh, <clears throat> special shout-out to my uh, my bud out there, Nate, who uh, helped me with some of the hop descriptors, some of the modern hop terms. So uh, yeah, we Gordon, tried to, Gordon we tried to me go, about that. That's pretty cool. We tried to go with actual perception descriptions of um, hops rather than saying, you know, tastes like American hops. Okay. Gave some examples of what modern hops are like without without unnecessarily restricting you to saying they're, you know, citrusy or woody only. <clears throat> so hopefully that'll allow people that use modern hop varieties more uh, latitude in those styles. So, Nathan, what what are some examples of uh, descriptors that you added here? Well, there? Gordon added this umbrella term, or somebody did before I did, I think, which was uh, the idea of New World hops. They're different than the classic European noble hops. and so are the That kind of comes from Stan. Stan? Perfect. Hieronymus. Hieronymus, yeah. Okay. He's yeah, uh, yeah, definitely a great spokesman for anything new hop research and connecting that with history um and we when we're talking new world hops ideas like flavor and aroma around tropical fruit stone fruit citrus floral berry melon as well as pine and resinous and citrus which we all kind of associate with the classic american sea hops okay and when you say new world this sort of helps you not only cover american hop territory but let's say southern hemisphere hops as well and okay. kind of the variations you get from uh, New Zealand and Australia. So it covers a lot of ground and, with a little bit efficient language. And we've kind of just defined it so that as the hop varieties keep changing, that the style guidelines are implied to follow along. So if you come up with a new experimental hop that still is in those families, it doesn't have to just have um, those aromas and flavors. Exactly. Yeah, Gordon took note of some of the experimental hop research that i was doing last year just on the homebrew level just trying as many of them as i could and working with them in beers and i kept coming across these things like stan had talked about in his books also um berry pine and melon is sort of being new ones to us that were always available in the genetic material of hops but a lot of these new varieties that were becoming available showcased that better than varieties in the past so those were becoming things that you could say okay, we could use Citra, and you're going to get some amount of tropical. And that was a little bit different than what we got on maybe Chinook and Cascade in the, in the past. Okay. And it just kind of built from there, Mosaic being one that sort of you know straddled a lot of those different categories. And just like Gordon says, if we can write the guidelines with efficient language, then 
hopefully they'll stay current over time as these hops will have some of those attributes, but not necessarily all of them. And we're covering more of the descriptors than we used to in the past. And if a new hop, pine, pine and citrus. And then if a new hop didn't have any of those attributes, mm-hmm. it could be called an old world. It could still be under a different descriptor. No, no. no. If, a, if, a, if, if there's some new experimental variety that comes out that's um, well-known and is American or, you know, Australia, New Zealand, something like that, um, and people recognize the character of it, um, then the guidelines will allow for it because we said American or New World. Okay. So, okay. I mean, suppose, you know, suppose we had this before, like Galaxy and Citra and things like that were out, and like nobody would have thought about using tropical fruit as a descriptor for hops. So, suppose they came out and people, you know, started using them like crazy. Then the way the guidelines are written now, those would have been okay. Got it. So they're 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 kind of written so that if it moves again in that in that kind of big way, we should still be good. Yeah, and there's a glossary within the guidelines that sort of describes what these umbrella terms mean. Like you can look up old world hops, and it says floral, spicy, herbal, earthy. Okay, kind of being the classic things you'd get from German hops and Belgian hops and you know Czech hops and things like that. Probably the only time shops as well. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. In the history of the world, that New Zealand was ever considered to be New World. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're still battling that description. Yeah. Uh, well, Nate, I'm proud of you, by the way, for being involved with this. You're such like a new hop guy now. Everybody knows to go to Nate to get some input. Uh, I know you don't consider yourself the biggest expert, but you experiment oh. with them so often and you brew with them so often. You're like this awesome resource to, for people to reach out to, like well, Gordon. I'm trying to bridge all the resources. Research that the pro brewers are excited about these because they want signature hops for their new cool beers. Yeah. And what can we do with those in the homebrew level? Yeah. And then it's awesome to be able to, to talk about that and give back to things like the guidelines. Here's yeah. what I think I've observed, where those guys are heading. The breeders and the growers want something new and cool. They want the new Citra. Mm-hmm. You know, they want the new Amarillo. They're looking for that stuff. And that gives us an avenue to play around with those and things like, you know, the new brown ale, white ale cat, uh, IPA category and the guidelines and things like that. We have a better platform than ever, and those guys have a better excuse than ever to try and bring us new cool stuff. Sure. So we need a, we need a way to talk about that and describe that in the brew house, in the homebrew level, and then at the judging table as well Got with it. the guidelines. So now we have a way to say, okay, tropical berry and melon. You know, what is that funny thing I'm getting in this glass of especially IPA that I've never had before? And you can go back to the guidelines, maybe as a ju- new judge or intermediate judge, you've never encountered that before. Yeah, and start connecting ideas, right? And then, so now that I'm hearing this and these new things that a, that a, a, a new judge has to learn, just a sidebar here, Gordon. The if I were to take an exam today, I'm, I'm looking on your site. It it actually wouldn't quiz me on these things. It's still on the 2008 guidelines. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to do. I mean, it's kind of like a bait and switch. Yeah, you'd sign up for an exam. And then you show up and say, oh, by the way, these are on the new style guidelines. Right. Um, yeah, that, that wouldn't be cool. So, you know, we, we had them out for nearly a year as a draft, and we got a lot of extra comments on there, and, um, you know, we addressed those. So we always said that when we published, we'd, we'd try to have at least a six-month phasing-in period. I mean, we still have to adapt our exams and everything, but mostly we want to give people the chance to, to study. Or we just move over. 
Got it. Okay. People say, how come you don't update the guidelines every year? <laughs> you, you really, I mean, try to just try to list all the things that depend on these guidelines. It's 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 kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, homebrew software uses it. Competition entry systems use it. Um, yeast companies that sell things use it. Um, you know, the people taking the exams, people running competition—it's they're just all over the place. Well, there's even an example of that on your website with this, where uh, you guys were informed by the AHA that for this year's competition, they were going to continue to use the uh, 2008 guidelines, which sort of allowed you guys to push back the release of these, and that's just one dependency. Yeah, yeah, I was I was trying to get them done by the end of the year, and you know we could have put something out, but I think. I think they actually were better because we actually got some quality review from some people that were external that, okay, you know, it takes them a while to get back to us. So, I mean, we're, we're asking people to volunteer their time. So, um, yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes we just have to wait. Of course. Okay. So that's some descriptors uh, that you worked with, with Nate on. Uh, what about some other big changes or revisions? So probably the other big one that um, people had asked for in this country, at least, is the uh, the American wild ale category. Mm-hmm. And there's and there's several examples underneath there. There's Brett beers, and there's mixed fermentation sour beers, and then there's just sort of a catch-all specialty um, wild beer that um, you know they're not Belgian beers, and they often you know, would get mixed in with all these other specialty beers and not really judged fairly. So at least it it has a place for these, um, you know, these sort of more interesting projects that people have going on. So they're not getting mixed up with goose and Lambic and the people trying to recreate those particular things, which are their own category. Right, right. So it's, you know, they got a place of their own. And, you know, if your competition's small enough that you don't get a lot of entries, I mean, you can always lump all them together for judging purposes, but at least they're separate descriptions. And is, is this something that, like, the Great American Beer Festival has done, too, to expand and, and cover all these American brewers doing different kinds of sour ales? Is it sort of following that suit? Um, I'm, I'm going to say yes and no. I mean, they have kind of a different mission. So, um, you know, it's I don't know if this is true or not, but it's my impression that, you know, they come up with new styles when entry categories get too big in the GABF. So they want to give people, you know, a better chance to, to win a medal. Okay. So they'll so that's that's why there's all these like nuanced differences in pale ales, for instance. <laughs> pale ale too. <laughs> you know, it's, well, this is a pale ale. This is an extra pale ale. Black this pale is... ale. I want it. <laughs> right. A slightly estery pale ale. A very pale ale. That's an interesting thought, actually, Gordon. You... White so, pale ale. I look at them. I look at. I look at a lot of the JBF ones. I mean, yeah, there's some. There's a fair number of legitimate styles there, but a lot of them are more what I would consider competition entry categories. They're and and we did a little bit of that particularly in the specialty beers this time around um just just to give a way for judges to better differentiate between if they wind up with a death march of a flight that's huge you know can they pick out some nuanced differences between things okay so all right so that's in there um so for example uh, uh, let's take the these American Wild Ale category. So the category A in that is Brett beer. 
So if you had a Brett beer that wasn't necessarily sour, but had an unmistakable Brett character, that would be your place. Sure, because um, you know, and, and this is this is a case where uh, um, you know the the American Wild Ale book came out. So you know, I worked with uh, Michael Tonsmere on uh, these uh, this category. So. Um, uh, you know, he pointed out that uh, Brett, you know, doesn't make things sour on its own. Right. So, you know, don't necessarily go look for it. I mean, there might be some a little bit, you know. There might be some acidity, but it's not necessarily going to be strongly lactic or something like this. Right. Yeah. So we wanted to be able to describe that way. And, you know, and, and, that, and that, that one style allows for all Brett beers or Brett finished beers. So these very popular Brett Saisons that everybody's brewing right now. Yep. Throw it in there. Got it. Okay. And then you wouldn't necessarily be up against all those black IPAs that were in the specialty beer category before, which have been kind of your only place to put this stuff. See, I think that's fantastic. Right. Because at that point, you know, as I understood it, you're just, all right, this one's a black IPA. How close did they get to a black IPA? Right. And I'll score them on that. And this one is a Brett Saison. How close did they get to what I know about a Brett Saison? And then you choose a winner between the two. Right. Now allowing those to be judged different, I think, is a great uh, asset. To, to homebrewers, I think that's more fair. Um, I think it makes it more fun. And for judges, yeah, it's more fair because I would feel torn apart as a judge about which one to choose. Well, judges and organizers, <laughs> I've worked, I've you know ran competitions, and category twenty three is a pain in the ass because you don't know how to give them to the judges. You know, do you give them all the what's the flight order? All these like different IPAs or yeah, like, right, give okay. them all these like really what, like vegetable. What beers. usually would happen is the judges, however many groups of judges, they would just get one big ass list, and it would be up to them to decide they, what order right. to judge I've it in. I've done that too. Yeah, okay. you guys figure it out. Yeah. So right. This this helps people divide them up if they're in a big competition. Or get them out of there in the first place. Now they're in another category. Especially right. going to be much smaller. And that's to me, is that's where you look for your new styles, which ones to create. You go to the specialty beer category and see what people are brewing that doesn't fit in. What else is under this American Sour Nate? Uh, the mixed fermentation sour beer and wild specialty beer. So mixed fermentation being something like Russian River Temptation or... Um, so maybe some of the Cascade type beers. Um, so I mean, you can have bread, but you know, lacto, PDO, um, right. you know, other things in it. Okay. And the the mixed can be when you start bringing in other special ingredients. If you have like fruit, or there's a strong barrel character, or you know, something that we haven't thought of yet. It's just if it has a predominant wild character and and it's kind of experimental, mm-hmm. you know, put it in there rather than running it through. I mean, I, w- I would be, I would be happy if at the end of the day that uh, the actual um, specialty beer, the experimental beer category, wound up with no entrance because we found places for them all to go. Oh yeah, and that, so now people who were reluctant to use that category have a home. Uh, right, because they'd say, "Well, I'm just going to get crushed by you know, I'm go- if I'm trying to do something subtle, I'll get crushed by all the Brett saisons and black IPAs." Well, if that happens this year, then I'm entering the specialty beer category next year as my first my first national competition uh, entry. Justin, the strategizer here. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's cool. Kind of like we were talking about how you need to specify certain things if you're going to enter the uh, IPA specialty category. If you enter mixed fermentation sour beer, it says right here in the instructions, you need to identify which yeast and bacteria used and other base style and kind of to define what your target is. 
not to have it right. just it's, be. It's, it's, it's a named style, but it's still in the family of specialty beers, which means that you really have to give the judges something to go on. Well, guidance, once again, it's not just, um, you know, base category and that's it. And then the just, judges have to guess. I think more than ever before, these right. new guidelines help you guide the judges when you enter. What did you intend? Mm-hmm. What are you trying to do? Right. And that's how they can measure right. whether you did a good job. At yeah. Will you throw the dart at the dartboard? Did you hit it? Yeah. You know? Okay. And then another so, – go, go ahead, ahead, Gordon. Sorry. I was going to move on to the next edition unless you've got more to add here. No, that's what I was going to do too. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, <laughs> this uh, – now this one sounds like another pretty broad category to me, which like is broads. what, historic beer? Yeah. Okay. Describe yeah, that's that. that's what I was going to talk about next okay. too. Um, yeah, kind of like specialty IPA, that category is just a – you know, a catch-all for um, styles that we we have write-ups for. So, you know, when we started writing these things, like one of them, one of them was Goza, and uh, you know, it was really hard to find them. Now, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the flavor of the week, and you know, it seems like everybody's got one. Right. But um, um, you know, it's it's a historical style so we can actually kind of describe it before people sort of get in their heads that it's really something else so there's there's several beers like that um a lot of them are sort of little known european styles or things that were um brewed in the past or they're they're kind of these indigenous beers like the finnish sati um but there's also some more historical american beers like kentucky common and uh hmm. you know we've always we've always had like a pre-prohibition lager we called it classic american pilsner we kind of renamed it but we also added like a pre-prohibition porter um so something that was you know an american porter but that's not like a modern craft porter hmm. um you know the best surviving example that's probably yingling porter okay what is a Kentucky Common, Gordon? I've never heard of that. Uh, it's kind of like a black cream ale. Oh, that's interesting. Um, it was kind of a turn-of-the-century style that was from the Louisville area. Um, so um, common beers, I mean, you're familiar with the California Common or steam beer. Yeah. It's you know meant to be sort of a fast, turnaround, inexpensive, working man's um, beer. So... You know, that was what common kind of meant. And, you know, you had the you had a style in San Francisco like that. And, you know, they had one in uh, the Louisville area that was kind of like that, too, except it was more like a cream ale. But it was dark. And how did that come to your attention? Is that something that people write into you about? Is it something you guys always knew about? You just hadn't added? Yeah, um, that was one that. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably about two and a half hours from Louisville, so I'd run into those people now and then, and and you know they would ask me, and I'd say, well, I have no idea what that is. So can one of you can one of you research it and write it up? And you know, after years of begging, um, I finally found somebody willing to do it. Okay. And and the the person gave a basically wrote up a paper and presented it at the uh, NHC last year. It was a really well researched. Um, and that was that was great. So that was enough to go on to to write up the style. That's cool. Am I the only one who finds it amusing that uh, Gordon and Justin both had never heard of a style with common in the name? 
Yes. But uh, but you hadn't either. So technically no. it's more amusing that none of us had yeah. ever heard of a style with common I like that. in the name. Common in history, yeah, guess not necessarily now. Yeah. And California commons are unheard of other than Anchor Steam. <laughs> other than Anchor Steam. And, God, would would we even know, would California common actually even be heard of if Anchor Steam didn't stop people from using steam beer as a, as a style? It, well, it's more like, think about, like, if the Anchor Brewery didn't exist, that's more like the state of what Kentucky Common was in. I mean, would you even know what a California Common is or a steam beer if it wasn't for Anchor? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, you know, drug that out of the grave. Yeah. So, um, you know, there just wasn't somebody doing the same thing with the Kentucky Common. Right. But, you know, there could have been. So it's kind of in the same boat. I'd like to think I'm still digging internet radio out of the grave. <laughs> so. I never heard of that. What is that? <laughs> I think you're moving it from one to another. That's all it is. Yeah, that's probably more we're accurate. We're digging it though. deeper and bringing everyone down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're digging it in. Let's dig our way out. So here's a nice little rumor I heard I'd like you to verify or deny, Gordon. Michael Jackson's nose was all plastic. <laughs> and you, oh. Did Janet's brown ale become a... Uh, uh, commercial example. A commercial example in the BJCP style guidelines in this revision. You're going to Jazz Brown, right? You know, if you go into the document, you type Control F, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is in there. <laughs> it's there under what? Uh, American Brown Ale? Is that a, it's Brown the Session IPA? IPA. Brown. Brown IPA. It, and it's Russian River Janice Brown Ale, not yeah, yeah. Janice Brown Because it has to be a commercial example. <laughs> yeah, so at least, yeah. Russian River Janice right. Brown yeah. is there. I think this is awesome. Tasty. That's great shit. That's, that's not a bad way to happen. It's pretty, awesome. <laughs> it's pretty cool. No, he doesn't give a shit right now. I, I care. He, he doesn't it's care cool. at all. He does care. It's really cool. Does he? When did you hear about it, Tasty? Uh, when I first saw the preliminary draft or something, I... I, I think I tapped you on the shoulder at one point Maybe and said, somebody I think I saw it, something in somebody there. Somebody drew it, brought it to my attention. I go like, wow, that's really cool. I sh- showed it to Vinny. He got a big kick out of it. Yeah. No, I think that is cool. And to me, I think it's exemplary of what we're talking about, that there sometimes there's this evolution of beer, and you have to include new yeah. beers into it. And shit, if, if Janet's Brown Ale isn't a new-ish <laughs> style, like a new yeah. take on a style, I don't sure. know what is, right? Well, yeah. So, well, well, honestly, there, there was always, you know, there was American Brown Ale – and and that was a weird one. That was that was kind of a wink wink nudge nudge style. Okay. Because you know there was you know the way homebrewers would make the style. But then if you went to go find commercial examples, they were all something completely different. Yeah. You know they all had like twenty IBUs and they were sweet and you know, the, you know the, they didn't really seem big or no. you know hoppy. A lot of them seem so, more English than American. So to find right, so to find, um, you know, a commercial example that sort of exemplified what that homebrewer style was like, you know, that was cool. So we got to cite it, and also, you know, that allowed us to break off the upper end of what was American Brown Ale and call it a, a Brown IPA. Yeah. Like Red IPA was kind of the same way. Um, you, you find that sort of breaking off from. Um, uh, you know the the red ales. So I mean, it was like what a red, West Coast red ale used to have been called. Sort of gets pushed into a red IPA, but red IPA is actually, you know, since we started developing it, it actually seems to be used more often. 
Is Evil so, Twin a red IPA uh, uh, tasty, in your I'm, opinion? Because that's like a red yes, beer that's guidelines. hoppy. Like under a, these guidelines, it would be. I think they call it an Imperial Red. Imperial Red. Yeah. They call the, it a West Coast but style. Especially uh, IPA category. Red, the red IPA uh, subcategory, I should call it. Uh, allows for that Imperial strength beer. So, yeah, it's, it's in there. Okay. Gordon, what happened, What has to happen for a commercial beer to be added as a commercial example? Do, do, does somebody present it and you all have to vote? No, it's not quite that formal. Um, Gordon decides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, Chris England does a lot of them. Um, but, you know, if, they, if it's contentious or something, we have to decide. I mean, ultimately, a small group decides – but different people can propose things. We tried to cut down the, the number of commercial examples in the guidelines because that was a severe maintenance problem for us. Mm, right. Because um, people would keep you know, bugging us like, well, you list this as an example and they don't make it anymore. I'm like, well, <laughs> did they make it like when we wrote it? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, you know, they change it or they change the name or it's just – you know, it just became more trouble than it's worth to maintain the document. Yeah, okay. that part of it got so, tightened up quite a bit, I think, and a lot of thought so went yeah, into we, it. So, we, yeah, we cut that, and we're, we're likely to look at maybe putting an expanded list on the web or something. We haven't come up with the exact form of that yet, but, um, you know, I'd like to have sort of expanded examples, you know, particularly if – you know, if we list all these examples and they're all European or something, yeah. um, you know, it might be nice to be able to find American ones that are fresher that you can use on exams and things like that. That's yeah, a very so, good idea. I remember, too, Gordon, when we were talking about some of the revisions in the guidelines, American American ale category, strong ale and IPA, some of the stuff that we were chatting about, you had asked me, so what do these taste like in your region? You get them fresher than me. I thought that was a pretty cool insight into how these discussions kind of take place about what deciding what commercial examples go in the guidelines mm -hmm. to seek out people from various right. regions right because one of the one of the sins of the past i think was um you know evident in the um english bitter category and you know also kind of in beer de garde was the same way is that some of the descriptions that we had for european beers were were based on what they taste like by the time they get here mm -hmm. not like they taste like at the source when they're fresh. So, um, tastes like old black tea oh. and a handful of pennies. Wow. That's great. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Oh, my homebrew well, was I, an example. Well, well that's how I would win. I would just brew them. So they tasted like that. Like it tasted like, bad. Well, they tasted old. You kept them in the goat <laughs> shed for a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't serve this year's model. You know, and, and that led to sort of formulation, you know, that drove a lot of recipes and, uh, it's it, it's kind of you know one of my other projects is like uh, sensory um, evaluation. So um, you know I've been looking into uh, how does oxidation um, present in a beer. Um, you know we're, we're we're taught to say oh you know it's going to be paper or cardboard or sherry or something like that, but a lot of times it's just more subtle than that. You know before it becomes papery. You know, it might become sweeter or it's it's kind of color dependent. Paler beers sort of pick up more of a honey-like note and and amber beers tend to pick up more of a caramely note and darker beers will, will get some of that darker fruity quality to them. Um, 
so, you know, when we try some of these beers, we, we, we kind of expect that to be there. It's like, yeah, English bitters are really caramely. And, <laughs> you, know, uh, yeah. you know, Doppelbox have to have this big dried fruit. And, uh, you know, yeah. these, these kind of things are just, you know, they're forms of oxidation. So and, Europeans are like, why did you guys think we were such shitty brewers for so long? <laughs> Here, have yeah, a so, you know, when you go over there and try the beers, and like, yeah, you're right. They're not like that at all. So, yeah. uh, no wonder these people are so angry with us. <laughs> it's like they're – it's kind of weird because half the time they're really angry, and the other half the time they're just angry but too polite to say something. Right. They just kind of seethe, and you don't know it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, you're that BJCP um, guy. Yeah, like my British girlfriend. Yeah, you call it politeness. <laughs> I call it just being a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but, you know, the the – I, I go to South America a fair amount, and yeah. um, it's funny because their their craft beer is kind of following us by like twenty or thirty years, um, and and you know I'd see them t- pull out the style guidelines and start using them as a you know what should I brew guide, and they're reading these things and trying to to make it because um, they don't always get the commercial examples, but then when they do, like they get you know American IPA examples, and they're all like sweet and caramely and you know they just don't taste right so they make a beer that tastes like that and they're like oh uh, try my ipa try my ipa and uh right and mr gordon uh, yeah, mr gordon like, ipa ipa <laughs> actually oh, the, the best IPA. thing about south america is like what's more badass than a bunch of people calling you el presidente oh, nice <laughs> <laughs> until you get shot yeah. remember like uh, the generals used to take their patches off in war they're going walking around with being called mr presidente <laughs> no, I went. I went. To, I went down there to speak at a conference once, and they were going on about El Presidente, and they put me in the presidential suite. In the nice. Hotel. <laughs> that's rad. Oh, that's rad, man. Beautiful. Yep. So, <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna change my title at the BN to the president. Sometimes you get. Sometimes you get fringe benefits. <laughs> but um. But you're still in South uh, America back, at the end of the day. So. Uh, back to the story, though. On that is is I saw kind of firsthand how how they were misinterpreting American beers based on what they were importing. And I'm like, oh, so now I know what those, you know, the English and the Germans were always angry about because, you know, we were we were basically describing old beer. And, you know, beer to guard, you know, having this sort of, like, musty character, that's just like what old cork tastes like. <laughs> so, you know, we just got these poorly kept bottles, and we're like, oh, this is, you know, essential to the style. We did invent these stories and things that go around them, and right. then you try it fresh and just realize, you know how, you know how we were just making it up. <laughs> so we tried to correct all those things. Yeah, we, we create folklore about that. That's how the lagering character is important <laughs> for the beer to guard. Yeah. It, it, Might as well have had me write it. <laughs> you right. know, it would have been just as accurate. And people buy it, and they're just repeating it. And like, so when somebody that says, "Hey, have you really tried one of these fresh?" Um, yeah, okay. Right. Gee, it is different. Right. Well, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up too much. That's, it's what you had to work with. But I like that you're trying your best to correct it. So now you're trying to use uh, less commercial examples, it sounds like, and, and more regional. Um, yeah, we're trying to get, you know, we're trying to pick ones that we hope don't change that much or ones that really represent um, styles well. And, okay. Because we don't want to give ourselves more maintenance problems with the guidelines themselves than right. than and then I have. 
And then I really like your idea that as a supplement, you could have a more, you know, a digital, uh, an online comprehensive list for those of us who want to just go out to the local great beer store that has a ton of different ones and maybe find something that it's like a supplement on the list, you know. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, we kind of we kind of want to make something that does that. You know, we don't really want it to be kind of like rape beer. You know, we were hoping we could get some kind of crowdsourced, um, but only if we can, you know, restrict it to BJCP members to uh, submit and to vote. Yeah. So we're still trying to work out like, can we do something like that? Okay. But you know, we would like to have an expanded list on the web. Yeah. Can I, can I just ask one more question uh, as it pertains to uh, Janet's? Are there any other <laughs> examples of famous homebrew recipes that became commercial examples in the style guide? Yeah, I think you just probably have to, you know, back it up several years. I, I bet if you talk to a lot of the, uh, um, you know, a lot of the name brewers, they were homebrewers once. Um, you know, I know... Um, I know some of Larry Bell's stuff where, you know, old homebrew recipes. He's got this uh, this cherry stout that he does as a winter seasonal that I know is an old homebrew recipe. Uh, Skullpin IPA was one as an old homebrew recipe. I'm not sure if that's in the guide. Really? But that's a really famous So it's probably well. pretty rare that you're still a homebrewer right. and your recipes made it in. Yeah, that's, but, the, that's, that's I mean. the more finer point. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure it's really common. That, but yeah. if you've graduated to pro brew, then yeah, a lot yeah, of these things. You yeah. make what you know what I make, which yeah. is the recipes. There probably is yeah. maybe one or two other example that, that a homebrewer was a great friend just, of a pro brewer or something, and be, that became must, a, a professional. It's just, it, just they didn't know. have a radio show to talk about it, so nobody knows. Knows right. where it came from, exactly. but I would. Must have I, I'm still guessing that's pretty rare. It's pretty yeah. badass story. Yeah, it's it's rare, be, right? I love it. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, American craft beer is uh, moving quickly. So when you have a new style, and if you get a good example, you know, you want to cite something reasonable. So um, you know, it's better to better to cite uh, sort of a hard to find but great example than you know a, a mass market crappy example. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gordon. Well, thanks for, first of all, thanks for all the work that you and the BJCP do, all of you guys. I know it takes a lot of time and your volunteers. So I, for one, appreciate it very much. It helps us on this program. It helps us even more, as you know, on some of the other programs we've done, the Jamil shows, uh, because we try to go through the style guidelines and help educate people based on what you guys have done. And so I, I just appreciate it very much. Thank you for all the time that you guys spend on this. Oh, sure, sure. You know, it's if we didn't... If we didn't freely license these things, I mean, please say would be writing me huge checks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Not that huge. Right? Yeah. Uh, five cents yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, if it was like based on revenue, they're not that huge. <laughs> but, yeah, right. uh, but but they just, I, I mean it, they're, they're an excellent resource and they've helped us. And, I, and then I think in turn, we've helped people study uh, them, you know, the, the guidelines themselves. But I just, uh, the work that you guys do is tremendous. So I, I appreciate that. Well, that's cool. I, I appreciate that, Justin. Hey, um, hate, while I'm here, yeah. Uh, do you mind if I pimp uh, a project I got? Not at all. Please do pimping. So um, I've got a new uh, I got a new book coming out in a couple of weeks. It's a uh, it's a homebrew recipe book. Excellent. Um, nothing but all grain because uh, I don't know how to make a I don't know how to make an extract recipe anymore. <laughs> uh, it's called uh, Modern Homebrew Recipes. Ah, uh, yes, from, I've heard of it from Brewers Publications. It should be out. I'm hoping at the end of the month, definitely before the NHC. So, um, you know, I'll be having a big deal about that at the NHC, doing a talk, signing books, that kind of thing. So if uh, 
if people grab a copy. I think I think the HA is starting a pre-sale uh, this week. Um, so if people get a copy of that and run into me, I'd be happy to sign it. And uh, you know, maybe I'll talk to you guys about that down the road or so after it's out. You definitely will. This is our. I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this up. It's already on my radar because we work with Brewers Publications quite a bit. I think that uh, they're supposed to be getting me our uh, media copy here as soon as they possibly can. And we would love to talk to you about it when it comes out. So be ready for and that. These, and these, um, these recipes are indexed against the new style guidelines. Mm. Perfect. It's going to be great nice. when uh, people are. I mean, because a homebrew recipe book that's going to have that's timeless. When people are buying this book like thirty years from now, and it's modern homebrew recipes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, that's this is actually this is where Gordon's smart. He knows that, so it'll be mar- modern by then. Modern uh, homebrew recipes revision yes, twelve, volume nine. Uh, yes. So he just he's <laughs> setting himself up for a lifetime smart. of of books here. You know. Brewing Classic Styles is one of the best-selling brewers' publication books of all times uh, because Jamil wrote such a great book, but also because we're in need of great recipe books like that. So this is another installment in that trend. Uh, I'm I'm glad you're doing it, Gordon. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, so we'll keep an eye out for that. And uh, you will be, you'll hear about it here on the BN when it goes on sale, probably both pre-sale and regular sale. We're, we're, we kind of try to stay on top of that stuff. And then, uh, Gordon, I'll remind people to bring it to NHC and get it signed, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll probably be signing a couple of times. I'm not, I'm, I don't know the exact schedule, but I'm sure it'll be there. But if people just run into me someplace, I'd be happy to sign them for them. They don't have to wait for a specific signing. Okay. You hear that? See, find Gordon, knock him down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, give him a beer first or maybe a mead. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't hire me to, to do your forward. You know, it's, uh, mm. but maybe, maybe your next book. I'm still available. Well, to, he, want, he wants to people to forward. buy it. Yeah, he didn't want the forward to say suck it. Nobody dick. reads the forward <laughs> anyway. Over and over and over again. Yeah. That's right. Uh, did you? Uh, I, I, I do have a room for a backward, though. See? <laughs> See Jordan, I would love to give you a backward. That would be your place. <laughs> Jamie, yeah. that could be your thing. You're like, yeah. I do backwards. I do backwards. <laughs> I do I'm all too. about it. Put that on your card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just JP, I do backwards. I do the best when I'm behind you. and that's <laughs> Like a reach around? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Dick. This book comes with a reach around. You can suck a dick. Oh, man. Over and over. All right, Gordon Strong, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can go see his work over at BJCP.org. Of course, his and, and the rest of the organization who work so hard on it. BJCP.org, if you're ever looking up a beer style, there's a great web interface, uh, which you can search there. Plus, you can print out the guidelines and go be a nerd to your friends as well. Uh, and, and, of course, study to become a judge, which, uh, Gordon, am, am I right in that you're still always, uh, you know, homebrew still growing and competitions are still growing? You're still always looking for new judges, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, it's an endless cycle. More competitions, more brewers, uh, you know, you need more judges. So yeah. the, the number of judges are growing at the same rate as the, the hobby, though. So Good. come on out. Take the exam. It's not bad. Do it. And, and also, you know, there's it's a lot of homebrew. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is intimidating. Uh, so, yeah. you know, you we don't make you take the long written test anymore. Yeah. You yeah, take an see, online test and you do a tasting exam. Back in my uh, day. Oh, well, now you're speaking my language, Gordon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but some of you homebrewers out there, you know, you, you're, you're really into homebrew. Maybe you're not the one who's going to go pro. This is a really great kind of intermediate that, that you can help out the hobby. You, you, you get to have some uh, professional interaction by doing some real organized judging, and uh, it's a great thing. And if you look, want your beer to get better, too. Your beer, if yeah. you uh, become BJCB certified, your beer will definitely get better. I yep. mean, JP yeah, passed a test for that. Judge God's your own sake. beer, even if you don't go yeah, judge other people's you go. beer, yeah. it helps you. you I passed by like eight points. 
And my beer is phenomenal. So, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, yeah, it tastes it's right enough. because it, it, you, you, in order to understand the style that you're going to brew, uh, you know, something happens. Now, <laughs> something, now JP has to go back and retake it now that there are new guidelines, right? You're going re- to revoke his license? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I don't mean everybody else. I just mean JP. He, <laughs> should, he should be on top of things. So. Yeah. Um, that's been working. You have to yeah, learn I'm that. Sure on top of things. <laughs> yeah, I don't judge anyway because uh, I just can't do it. <laughs> Why did you get certified? Oh, you did you think oh, you, you, a, you were yeah. gonna because, enjoy judging? No, because you got, a good, you got a good score though, right? You got a good tasting score. Oh yeah, I got a great tasting score. The written score sucked balls. Um, because I was giving so much shit to the BJCP that I felt I should take the test to actually know what I'm talking I about. I think we called him out on one okay. of the shows. But then not judge afterward. No, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll judge. And then I, I would go, I went to, I did a long shot competition a few years back and I did like halfway, you know, half the seminar and they take a break and I'm like, oh man, okay. All right, guys, thanks. It was really fun. They're like, you're not going to stick around for the second half. And I'm like, no? Are you serious? <laughs> Tasting all this terrible beer? I can't... It, it, it takes a lot of... Uh, I got really tired. I what I was. Of course uh, you did. It was just really... It was uh, mentally challenging. It's a challenging thing. It's not easy to sit there and judge several flights of 10 to 12 beers in a flight. It's really yeah. tough to do. You're right about And you're not in a challenging right. thing. No, I don't like to be challenged. What I'd rather do is, <laughs> is, is uh, like talk about it or facilitate it. I don't want to actually... Do it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me right. wrong. I love work. I could watch it all day long. Yeah. But when it comes to doing it, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. It's too much work for me. And you were not asked back. There you have it, Gordon. Well, that also there. One of your no uh, there. One of your exempt, <laughs> <laughs> exemplary BJCP certified judges. I right spread here. the word, baby. The gospel of Gordon. You That's do. me. You do. Highly motivated judging. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Gordon. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, see you in San Diego. All right. Bye, friend. See you, Gordon. Later. All right. The great Gordon Strong. A a very nice man and does a lot of work to uh, help out home brewing. So uh, (laughs) Unlike me. We appreciate that. Unlike most of us, let's be honest. Um, All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Nate's going to help us learn about knowing your home brewing ingredients. Yeah. uh, All of your brewing ingredients. Got Doc in the studio. He's going to give us a hand, too. Uh, So hang in there. It's the session, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arpanet migrated to TCPIP and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. If you don't know yeast, man, you're missing out. 
White Labs Yeast Manager Yeastman is available free to any brewer. Yeastman is your direct link to White Labs Yeast Production Facility. Yes, you can check yeast availability, and yes, you can place an order, but Yeastman is much more. View yeast quality control and analytical reports. See your big QC day entries and reports. Get access to the entire White Labs catalog, specials on overruns of freshly made yeast, and customized options for your account. Yeastman is the only real-time online ordering in the business connected directly to factory production. Yeastman is always on and always live. It's the largest online marketplace for specialty brewer's yeast and related products. Visit Yeastman.com today and tap directly into to White Labs production facility. Gonna brew? Yeast man to the rescue. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand. Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today adventures in homebrewing have the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipes some of the things homebrewing.org creates and manufactures in-house are the brutus brew stands and propane burners the serial killer adjustable two-roller grain mill with seven pound hopper custom stainless steel false bottoms designed to fit kegels coolers and mini sized brew pots the brewers at adventures in homebrewing have designed a huge selection of original recipes for extract and all grain brewing adventures in homebrewing original recipes are tried and tested, proven to be of the best quality. And right now, Adventures in Homebrewing is shipping 24 of their best recipes for free. Visit homebrewing.org for the most current selection. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And now, it's even easier with free shipping on these kits. Brewing Network listeners receive 10% off their homebrewing.org orders when they use coupon code IPA at checkout. See terms and conditions for full details. Listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. 
Woodstock. All right. Thank you for hanging out. The hot grenade's bustling tonight. It's a nice summer Monday night. Yeah, it's Monday night. Feels like Saturday out there or something. It's, uh, yeah. Monday's the new Saturday. I don't know if you knew that. It is now. Yeah, people don't give a shit about work anymore. They just come in here, have a few beers. Relate to that. Perform poorly on Tuesday morning, and I'm happy to contribute to that. So, welcome everybody hanging out at the Grenade. You can always come out and and join the show and participate by enjoying beer that we have on tap, often from our guest. Uh, Tonight, our uh, our guests are homebrewers, so uh, there's no beer Two homebrewers whose beer I would like to have on tap, honestly, if we could. Yeah. Well, occasionally we have uh, versions of Nathan's beer on tap, of course, although Nate's not really a guest. He's a host, but you get the idea. Uh, but yeah, some beer oh. from Cellar Maker and Drake's within the last year or so. Heretic at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to get that thing rolling once again too. We'll do another round of those. Yeah, it's pretty cool to yeah. have homebrew style beer before poured professionally. I'm going to start a rumor that uh, there might be a hop grenade beer coming through Heretic oh. soon. Oh, mm-hmm. I like I'm starting this idea. that rumor myself. Can we use the recipe Good for idea. citrus bomb? Of course, yes. yes. That's what we should do. I will be sending out an email to all y'alls about that. Uh, oh. Who's yeah. brewing it? Uh, it'll be brewed at Heretic. I ask, who's brewing it? Oh, uh, Kennedy. Chris Kennedy. Okay. Not you. We will not just, you. No, no, we're not going to touch it. Or I, I'm not going to. No, we're going to no. like Miko. You guys are going to design it. Okay. And then uh, Heretic will brew it. This is all just a rumor I'm starting, by the way. Yeah. Um, although I have inside information. Why not? Is that part so of the show? Well, the I just want to know if you were brewing it because there's not a carpet big enough. <laughs> Why would I do that to my brand, Doc? You know me better than that. Uh, there's a lot of things I will fuck up, but not my own brand. So we can sit at the table in Heretic and watch Jamil's crew work on the beer? Yeah. You, got, you, you can have a, we, I mean, you can go do, do what Tasty does when he goes and brews at a, a quote-unquote <laughs> brews. He's got a whole pot. He just goes and he points at Randy or somebody to go do something. Uh, we can go do that, I guess. Okay. Uh, Kennedy isn't very receptive to that, but the brewer over there... kind of get in his way, mostly. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like that. He might have me clean something. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I might lift a bag of grain or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So coming soon to uh, the Hop Grenade, probably, and maybe a few other um, exclusive places, uh, even out of state, I think, we're Ooh. going to... Uh, do a little hop grenade project with Heretic. Well, I noticed they have a canning line over there. Would that be possible? I doubt that. You need like to buy half a million cans. That's the thing. Until we become... Um, Wait a minute. Why not? Uh, Let's go bigger and not go at all. Just go for it. it. Yeah. Just put out a, a... Sure. I don't know if Heretic's ready for us to go that big either. Well, uh, I mean, they'd have to loan us the money for the cans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the space and the salesperson and oh, the... All that. Oh. Uh, big malt liquor style cans you buy at the corner store for like a dollar. You know that's how I want to roll. <laughs> I want to actually liquor. adopt the old Foster's oil oh, yeah, can. Yeah. can. Yeah. So we would be the only ones doing that. Yeah, that logo nice say, and yeah. big on there. Oh, man. makes that grenade look great. No, there's a, a mission. There's a, a brewery called Mission that's doing that. Oh, they're doing the big fat oil yeah, can too. Yeah, like a giant of a oh, double IPA. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> they oh, wow. don't give a shit. No, they about no. you or your alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, or your yeah. yeah. You see those? Crawlers? You should when you buy that, you should have to give your keys to the uh, to the retail <laughs> oh, yeah. store attendant. Absolutely. Like, never mind your ID. That's one thing. You also have to turn in your keys. <laughs> you get them back when you bring the empty can 24 hours later. That'd be great. <laughs> 
you know. Do you and see those crawlers you- in Texas? They had, the first time I saw them, yes. they went to different regions. It's like a big oil can like that. It's like a can growler. You get as a growler fill somewhere that doesn't uh, you know, feel like either a brewery fill or a fody. And, and it reseals, you mean? No, it doesn't reseal, but it's like a one-time open, just like a ah. regular it's a, can. It's just, yeah, they use a steamer. sealed it's vessel. Flipped up can. Exactly. Two ounces. They have wow. a canning device where the growlers get filled, these crowlers, as they say. And then you have this giant oil can of whatever beer you pick to get filled. It's pretty cool. I like it. Do you put it in a big, like, Plus, grocery bag? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they, they, that's if the, you want style <laughs> points. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah it's, yeah, you have to get a normal. Extra. It's got, like, the handles on it. It's not just <laughs> like the, the Trader Joe's bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have to do that. I don't know. We have to come up with a koozie for that. I wish we were a state that allowed growler fills at uh, no, at non-brewery licensed yeah. locations uh, like ours. We get that question all the time. Uh, <clears throat> people would like to be able to just come in here and get a growler filled of anything we have on tap. I thought it was a great idea in talking to brewers that I know and love, uh, you know, friends and not friends. They would hate – they hate the idea. Why? Of retail establishments being able to pour growlers because I think their feeling is that many of them wouldn't treat the beer as as respectfully as we would. We would treat the beer as if well, we were the brewer, um, and I think their concern is that I it's— I got a growler of Pliny, bro. Trade me on the rate beer for Well, not, no, no. Six, I've been holding it for six months. Yeah, I don't yeah. even think it's—well, it's more that. I don't even think they're worried about the trading as much as they are. They already—I think brewers already feel that uh, there's a lack of control they have once their product leaves the brewery. Yeah, just yeah. The cake, That's the another cake, level. Yeah. And this just adds another thing. Yeah. Oxidation, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you can hear the reviews now. Now, I bought a growler at uh, Hop Grenade the other day of this beer. You know, they're not going to tell us that they drank it four weeks later. Yeah. They're gonna say, it was flat. It was yeah. oxidized. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was all light. Drink half and then judge the other half, right? Yeah. yeah. So it does. I get that part. But financially, I do wish we could sell <laughs> growlers of beer. Yeah, nothing better than grenade. getting their money while they're here, and then what they would drink out of here. We get that money too. It'd be great, right? Well, yeah. and for, so we do have a bottle shop, so and we get that. But there's also a bit of selfishness. I want to take a goddamn growler oh, home half the nights I leave here. Yes, uh, because we have a lot oh, more on tap a, than we do in, in bottles. Or, I could, um, but uh, why don't you? You're the owner. No, yeah, I don't really pull. You know yeah, how I don't. Do. You know how I don't pull the BN card out. At festivals, I don't even pull the owner card at my own goddamn place. I have, <laughs> Too much integrity. I have a thing against, against feeling entitled, and I, I don't. Executive privilege is that what it yes. is? Yes. Uh, we'll see. Get a couple of those. Got to be a one notch just... higher. I'll tell you when we turn a profit, I will consider it. Right. <laughs> Until then, I think all the beer should be sold to people who have money. Who well, cool. Pay then, for it. Buy it. Let's talk again in uh, like 2019, hopefully. <laughs> when the <laughs> when the loans are paid yeah. and everything else, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Tonight. 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 We've brought Nathan back into the studio with us. Uh, uh, he's been on a, on a, a short hiatus, and, um, and and I wanted Nate to come back when, when we really needed him. And, and tonight, uh, he's going to discuss with us knowing your homebrew in, ingredients. And how did this start, Nate? Because you did a presentation on this. Yeah, the Blue Bonnet homebrew competition. Uh, Jimmy and the organizers of that competition this year were kind enough to invite me and a few other the BN crew. Uh, awesome competition in Texas. Yeah. Um, I gave the best keynote speech I've ever given there. It was, it was really good. It was the only one I've ever given. <laughs> it was at the right time of the night. Everyone had enough beer, well, but not too much. Lubed, they were lubed up big time. <laughs> yeah. They were lubed up. Yeah, it was in the, uh, the Dallas area is where this competition was. Really cool competition, huge competition for the region. And they invited me to do a tech talk um, at 
the nice hour of 9.30 in the morning on a Saturday morning after oh. the many of the festivities. Uh, after yeah. two festivals that they threw the night before. So they, Not just one. They were seeing if Nate could be on his best behavior, and I did everything I could to try and deliver. Yeah. Um, there were actually a lot of bright-eyed faces there at Saturday early in the morning, surprisingly enough. Okay. Um, so I keep coming back to this theme in my home brewing as I brew more and more and more over the years. I'm about 15 years into the hobby now, and... I work with some of my favorite professional brewers, like the guys at Drake's and Roger Davis over at Faction, and they're always open book. They always show me the recipes, and um, some of my favorite beers I realize are just dead simple. Okay, not much, you know, like fifteen hundred pale ale, just a couple of hops, or Faction pale ale, you know, two three hops, and malt bill is just dead simple, right? Okay, so I keep getting these ideas integrated in my home brewing as much as possible. You know, simplifying my recipe to kind of mirror what I see there. And then I feel what that brings to the forefront, though, is that you have to know exactly what those ingredients are going to give you. Right? Okay, yeah. And you can't necessarily substitute out, substitute out uh, certain things. So, um, you know, you think of things that are sort of listed as equivalents for hops or for grains or things like that or for yeasts. Um, with a simple recipe, those things aren't necessarily as, as easy to achieve. You need to have, you know, exactly exactly what you want i think um so in other words if 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 i'm looking for one specific hop i know the hop it was in another beer that i love in this case that you're talking about these simplifying beer recipes it's just not one of those times that you can go ah there's about three other hops you can use to 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 sub it out i think it's harder to do that okay you kind of have to you know if you want to get the complexity that you want from just a couple of ingredients you know maybe signature ingredients like hops yeah you want an Amarillo Simcoe combination, which is a fantastic combination. We've all tasted beers that just have maybe those two hops, and it works amazingly well. It's hard to really substitute out and, and to do uh, something else. Um, but just using those you know few ingredients and how much complexity they can give, it really underscores to me that you don't necessarily have to have a, a super complicated homebrew recipe. And all everyone is homebrewers. There's so many new ingredients on the market to us now. You know, you look at the stuff that Brewer Supply Group provides to professional brewers, and a lot of that stuff trickles down to home brewers. They're bringing new stuff into the market all the time. Yeah. And new malts. They have a new malt, which I'd love to try, uh, MCI Stout Malt. It's like a even more plump-type kernel than a Maris Otter, right? Okay. Um, we see things like that, and we get excited. Or we see new varieties from Y-Yeast, or we see new hops coming from Hop Union and, and from the HBC program or something like that. And we have, you know, this temptation as home brewers, since we're not producing 30 barrels of wort every day we want to try them all why not in the same beer where we can they're not brewing a lot right (laughs) and that's where it goes wrong okay that's where things start to get a little bit crazy i mean we've all seen those examples of a recipe in our maybe our favorite recipe book that has you know 10 15 ingredients in it or a recipe that someone has given us to us from the homebrew shop and you don't necessarily need that bells and dark strong ale is one of my favorite examples of one that gets over engineered yeah quite Often. Okay. Yeah, but that's the right. way it was with all the recipes 15 years ago. Exactly. Uh, they were all like that. Before we had something like D2 candy sugar. Yeah, they just had, right. oh, 10% of this, 5% of this, 5% of this. It's just insane how many ingredients were there. But that they were all like that. So you didn't know any different. There were so many of this. It's Every recipe had, there was no simple recipes back then. Okay. 20 years ago. 15 years ago, it's just it was just the norm, so that's kind of your mindset. 
Okay. We have better education now, too, about what mm-hmm. these things do. You see, like, Victory Malt and Biscuit Malt, then Maris Otter, and then something else. You're like, well, you're kind of getting a muddled mess of, of conflicting things that are sort of trying to achieve the same thing. All right. I, I, right. I, uh, I think it was Dustin, uh, Drew Beecham, I think, was talking about it. And he says, you know, you've you got this whole recipe here, and you got 5% of this. With all this other stuff, you're not going to taste that. Sure. It's not going to be there. That, that struck home for me. Yeah. It's... In yeah. fact, it would have the instead of you, you don't taste it. It doesn't add what you want it to do, but in, but it does add something which is like a, a muddled like it's, too many it, it things muddles, in one. You get that muddled caramel kind of. It sort of adds to that that homebrew flavor that we used to talk about, right? Where yeah. things are just a bit too sweet or a bit too uh, everything in one. Yeah, it's that homebrew flavor that used to be at least now most homebrews are getting maybe three different crystal malts, maybe mashed too high. Yeah. You know, maybe something that you know has a lot. Of flavor impact and definitely can create an interesting thing to drink, but doesn't necessarily create, you know, well attenuated, interesting beverage you want to drink, you know, two, three, sure, four pints of. I mean, you, I think you can do most styles with one to two malts, maybe three malts tops, two hops, and maybe up to three. And then you get diminishing returns as you start introducing more than, than three or four of any of those things, I think. Okay. I, I've been a proponent for a long time about 15% of specialty or adjuncts, period. Maybe not adjuncts, but uh, specialty Eighty-five percent base, and then the rest. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, but not put not take that fifteen percent and have ten different things in there. You, exactly. know, you get half pound of this, little bit of this, little bit of this. It's just it's diminishing returns. It muddles it like you're talking about. And you can turn the knob in really subtle ways, just with the malt bill, by taking something and blending base malts that you like. I mean, say you like Maris Otter, and that provides a certain amount of mouthfeel, a certain amount of signature character to your malt bill. Blend that with American Two-Row, and we're thinking about maybe a beer like American IPA or, or Pale Ale, something homebrewers love to brew a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe take the crystal malt out entirely, mash it a little bit higher to get sort of the mouthfeel that you want. Okay. Or maybe use something like Crystal 10 or Cara Foam or a Cara, you know, some kind of a more neutral caramel malt, and then go from there and just maybe do those two things. Two, two different base malts, maybe one dextrin-type malt, and that's it. And Got not it. not get it, not make it too complicated. Or if you want a little bit of color, instead of using something that you know is going to oxidize a little bit faster, um, like Crystal 80, Crystal 75, some of those that sort of turn a beer into a stale beer a little bit faster if you don't have the, the freshest, best crystal malts available, Use something like a, a little bit of a um, dehusk dark malt to give you the color that you want, and then mash it a little bit higher. So think about it in different ways without having to introduce ingredients that aren't necessarily going to give you the you know the shelf life okay. that you want in the beer. Is there a resource that I mean? Is this just stuff that you've learned over time? Picking out you know using something like a dehusk uh, rather than these crystals, or is, is there somewhere to read about this kind of? I think a lot of it comes from experience that people have in in listening to folks like. Uh, tastier to meal on the shows over the years. I mean, ideas about we have better ingredients now than than we used to have. We don't necessarily have to lean on the ideas from, you know, 10, 15 years ago and try and build from there. If we're trying to do our own recipes, and many home brewers are, mm-hmm. um, you can take and start from a really simple base, and you'll be really surprised at, at what kind of complexity you can get. Okay. And the dehusked malt, or like a carafa, uh, vitamin carafa malt, you know, it could be a way you could dial in color with minimal amount of 
uh, sweetness okay. flavor well, contribution. Pretty much any flavor. There's, yeah. a way, there's some ways you can do that. But. I think people want drier beers more than ever before. You know, I, I know yeah. I do. I yeah. do brew lots of saisons and IPAs and pale ales and stuff like that. Um, and you know, less of beers that have a you know big dextrinous sort of sweet type of mouthfeel. And that's one way you can achieve that without adding something like you know Crystal Eighty or Crystal Seventy Five. Something that has a lot of that like really deep caramel it makes a beer taste sweeter than it maybe it really is and do right? you like this 85 percent rule that doc mentions uh is that a, about where you hover yeah. is is 80 too low 80 20 85 15 that's a good just somewhere point. in there okay yeah i think that's a really good starting point but when you have as you know 80 percent or more of something you know that becomes a really a critical thing so let's take american two row we're talking you know american pale ale ipa session ipa you know a lot of beers that homebrewers like to make these days. American Turo, you go to that bin at the homebrew shop, it says American Turo on it, but they might not tell you exactly which one it is. If that's 80 or 90% of what your base malt is in the beer, you're going to start to taste what the character of that is. You're not covering it up with Crystal 60, Crystal right. 80, a bunch of roasted malt or something like that. If you're trying to make one of these you know, really dry, well-attenuated, super pale when we had society guys on the show, we really talked about this really dry, pale San Diego style hoppy beers. Um, the choice of that base malt is really going to come through. So, Brees, Great Western, Raw are kind of three really common ones in the homebrew supply chain. They're all pretty different, I think. Okay. Um, you kind of got to know what you want out of each. Um, you know, Brees being kind of a really blank canvas, a Great Western maybe somewhere in the middle, and Raw having maybe the most character out of the three. Um, my personal preference, I would really like to use RAR because it has what I perceive as the most character out of the, th- of the three. And then I can just throw less other stuff okay. at it. And then I get to know what character it has and how I can work around it. Hence, you know? adding complexity with a single ingredient. With a single or ingredient, right? Or you can right? use, you know, even the 85-15 rule can be, the 85 can be a blend of other base malts. Right. <laughs> so, Or you could do even, you know, 85 of that RAR two-row. And then 10 to 15%, um, something like Chris Maris Otter, which is right. even higher intensity, but along the same yeah. the same kind of lines. It might be a more gentler way than sending something like um, Munich 2, which has like a, a more right. melanoid and forward Yeah, so character. the 15% is don't go over 15% okay. of, yeah. of, you know, the specialty malts. You can go a lot less than that. Uh, I think that, yeah, it'd be an upper limit sort of we were discussing I, okay. earlier. I see the last three, four years I've been really toying with using the, the base malts and blending base malts. You're blending uh, American two-row with some British or, or, or Belgian. Exactly. Uh, or pale. So uh, you're trying to get you're, – you're blending within the, the base malt. Scene. Sure, yeah. And then you can start adding in a little of this or a little of that for some some of the specialty stuff. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in your start, top 15. Okay. Yeah, start really simple. I mean, one of the my Sim- favorite beers I'd done in the last year for this research I did for NHC last, last year about um, new hop varieties, uh, 50% German pills, 50% American two-row, mm-hmm. two hop varieties. I was amazed at how wonderful... That, it does. That beer could really be. Yeah, when I started doing that, I found that it, I get much better attenuation when I that, exactly when I blend base malts. That's why I started blending base malts is because I'm, of the. I'm glad you brought this up, Mcdowell. I was I just about to go there. So, what do you think? I have a theory well, about this. Theory, what do you think? My theory is that each base malt is manufactured in its own way. 
Mm-hmm. And part of that process and part of the, the just the nature of the thing is that the enzymes needed to convert those starches are come with the grain, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Who's to say that another varietal from another country or, or just processed another way would have a different set of enzymes or the same ones? And who's to say that those extra enzymes aren't really, you know, really effective on the other malt as well? Just because it doesn't produce it. Exactly. Doesn't mean it doesn't have a starch molecule that that enzyme can actually help, you know, drive. So you're, you're saying the enzymes from one malt are actually acting on the right. other yeah, from yeah, the other, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, basically you've got more enzymes in one malt that they can use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you add it to something else, which is what I was doing uh, to try to dry it out, uh, especially you know, German Pilsner and American Two-Row, works are awesome. So and, there's a better uh, chance you oh. can convert the overall starches into right. sugars or even into smaller chain sugars uh-huh. that are very fermentable. No, if my, okay. my regimen of mashing, mashing high for body, that is a, stop using dextrin malts like Carapils in your beer. Just use you know base malts, but mash mm-hmm. at a higher temperature right. to, to get the effect of that, right? But I'm also making a, a more unfermentable wort. Well, again, when I blend these base malts, that it drives it, the attenuation just right down. It might have a higher finishing gravity, but it's not at all sweet. It's attenuated. Got it. So you're dialing in the character that you want, right. and then Flavor. instead of using right. dextrin malts, right. using the the knob of the yeah the in the process. Yeah, and we're, we, you know, like, and we're talking ingredients, of course, and process is a whole other topic, but. With process, you can actually have a different effect on the ingredients, of course. Right. Well, I mean, I think that when you're not necessarily weighing out six extra different malts, you can think more about right. how does process yeah, affect the beer. Exactly. Why should right? I like, choose malts to give me what I want when I've got potential to get it all out of the base? We're making yeah. it all sound like we're making it complicated, but we're the whole trend in the last five, six years is to keep it simple. Yeah. Trim it down, keep it simple, but we've now it's coming up in the last two years about yeah, you know, blending base malt. You only blend it two usually, not usually three. It's still very, very simple. And you're cutting out like Tasty was talking about cutting out the carapils for mouthfeel. You're just you're still keeping it simple, but not simple like just using one base malt. Okay. Yeah, or you could even just use one. I mean, you think of three you great beers with the same malt type, Pilsner malt, right? Very different beer. Northern German Pils, German Pilsner malt, right? Belgian Saison, Belgian Pilsner Malt, Czech Pils, Moravian Pils. You could make all three of those styles with just Pilsner Malt from their respective regions, mm-hmm. but maybe mashed a little bit differently. Maybe you'd want to mash a little bit higher for Czech Pils than, than Northern German Pils, and definitely mash super low for a, a Belgian Saison with that Belgian Pils. All those malts, that's all you need for each of those styles. Okay. You don't really need to step outside of that. Right? So this that's is a, really... That's a really good starting point. If you want to get started with their own recipes and yeah. each, each of those, you don't even need to add anything else on top of that. I love this idea. So now you're just really... You can adjust your mash temperature. Exactly. And then taste the difference. And then taste the difference. Because each of those, even though they're sold as Pilsner malt, mm-hmm. you even taste that when you're in the homebrew shop, but certainly in the they finished... They are very different. Certainly in the finished beer. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you what do you perceive? You're a Pilsner malt brewer kind of guy, yeah. Doc. What do you perceive as the differences between those? Uh, those the three? Belgians, I get more kind of roasty, toasty, mm-hmm. kind of. It's just like mel more more melanoidin kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just got uh, just more flavor to it. Uh, I get the the German. I get more sharpness. Oh, I wouldn't want to go with sour, but you know that that sharp goes acidic. Mm-hmm. A little more of that. Uh, you can, there's just subtle differences in them. 
just think of your Belgian beers versus your German beers and your yeah. Czech beers. And just think of it that way because those are all, those are all one malt beers. Or you can even do the eighty twenty rule, maybe. Like, say you wanted to make a saison, Belgian style saison, mm-hmm. do eighty percent Belgian pills. 20% German mm-hmm. pills, if you like the kind of little bit right, more okay. character of a German pills, you find it had maybe a slight acidity or a slight uh, drying character, an interesting character, yeah. you could do that that route, too, and then get that action that Tasty was talking about. Yeah, or use an American two-row, mm-hmm. uh, some some percentage of American two-row with your Belgian pills. I've done that before. It, it, if you're not getting it attenuated enough, you need it more, you can kind of use that. I'm really with tasty on the fact that it's probably got more enzymes than it can use so it helps the other attenuate one. the other one down okay because you had this whole spectrum of of you know malt flavor that you can pick from from base mm-hmm. malts you know everything from american two row just probably the least sort of melanoid and toasty up through maris otter and then the pilsner malts so you're getting mm-hmm. a little bit more toasty and then up to the munich malts and vienna malt which you have even even right. more toast right you can take a a range of those and even though you're making an American beer, maybe pick a little bit of a, a Belgian malt, a little bit of American malt, a little bit of an English yeah. malt, and achieve an, an interesting complexity. And these are all base malts. Yep. They're so all- they're all going to have enzymes. They're all going to have the ability to convert convert starches. Just so I can put it in, in, a, in a way that my feeble brain can, can <laughs> handle it. If, for me, it would be like I don't have to get high on heroin to enjoy Disneyland Hmm. Um, I can enjoy Disneyland on its own. It gives me everything that I need. I don't need the drugs. I don't need the smack. I don't need the crack cocaine. <laughs> I don't need any of that stuff to right. enjoy it. Whereas I do. Yes. So so it, it's, it's just like that. You can get all your flavors yeah. from baseball. In one activity. You don't need to add more. Just like enjoying Disneyland. Sure. It's enough. But if you look in that crowd, you see some people. <laughs> you do see. They don't know yet. than you are. They haven't, they haven't, uh, they haven't realized yet the yeah. potential. Oh. Pirates in their Maybe Caribbean are different. Yeah. They all right. What you call happy. me? So this is a great way now to work with with base malt. Yeah, I, I think and that, I think this is a great. Uh, just I like just the idea of let's. I, I almost don't want us to go too much farther into it, 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 it with the malt because all, I think that's all it takes. Because we can milk. always follow up and come back, right? I like the idea of giving people. Here's just some some quick experiments you can do. I like that you named uh, the difference between some of these uh, two row malts. Uh, we've talked about the, the different uh, pilsner malts, and then adjusting your mash temperature and maybe your blending. Uh, of, of these ingredients accordingly. It still exactly. keeps it very, very simple. Yeah. The, the grain bill is just so simple. Even though you think, oh, i got to blend 20%, it's all base malts. Yeah, it's a piece it, of cake. It's still a piece of cake. It's simple, yeah. It's, and it's very forgiving, too. It is. Okay. If you put too much caramel malt in there, like too, too much 40, forgiving. that's not forgiving. No. Okay. Uh, you, you do a, a 60-40 blend of uh, Pilsner and uh, two-row. Forgiving. It's very, very forgiving. You're not going to blow up, but you can just you, next next brew. You can pull it one way or the other. Uh, you get do that with a, a crystal malt, and you're just like uh, nobody wants to drink it. And you get yeah. a keg just laying there. Yeah, we're talking recipe development. You want to like inspire yourself to make this again. You want to yeah. make sure yeah. that it was good enough. To, so to I've try. never I've never had that happen before, <laughs> Nathan. I might try these experiments. <laughs> to, yeah. So keeping it simple will you know encourage you to. That's brew something point. that is a great it, starting it, point. Yeah. It sounds okay. like we're making it complicated, but it's still in the paring it down and making it simple. 
in um, reading the new malt book from John Mallet of Bell's mm-hmm. Brewing, really cool book. If you're, a lot of your listeners have probably read it, yeah. If not, check it out. The ones that um, can read. The ones that can read. I'm trying every day. Uh, <laughs> These words mock me. <laughs> I think in, it, there was a, talk, a section where he talks about mashing for attenuation and. To make the numbers even easier, I thought this was a, a great way to think about mashing for attenuation based on all this cool information he presented. Mash at 150 degrees, 5.5 pH is a really easy way to remember the numbers, and you're going to get a really fermentable wort without having to remember alpha amylase, beta amylase, en- enzyme reactions, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's a great starting point for a recipe that you want it to be fairly well attenuated, but maybe... You don't want to risk it being too too low on the temp side where you won't get good conversion or too high where you're going to risk it being too sweet or something like that. 150, 5.5 pH, a great starting point. Okay. Um, you know, not 148, not 146, not 156, you know, 150, 5.5. That was, a, is that was this, the first time I'd ever read it sort of like that easy, that simple, you know? And is 5.5 new information? I, I only ask that because I'm used to hearing 5.2, right? It seemed a little higher than I had read before. So that's another reason I thought it was cool cool to sort of relay that info. Okay. You know? um, right. I think if you go too low, you risk maybe not converting enough enough stuff and your efficiency might might suffer a little bit but that's probably better than going too high got it right um so i think that covers the malt stuff let's talk a little bit about hops um so like i was talking a little bit about earlier you can take one or two hops and cover a good ground for most categories yeah one of the reasons why i say this like we were talking about with gordon earlier all these new tropical berry melon all these new hops that are available um they're really pushing complexity and new flavors from the breeders and the growers. Right? Yeah. You look at some of the showcase hops from some of the premier programs like the um, – we see these HBC 366 becomes Mosaic. And, and these programs that give us like Mosaic and Citra and Simcoe and all these hops, right? Those hops are sort of intended as being like let's steal the whole show kind of hops. Right. So let them do it. In or at fact, least start there if you want to make a, a beer that's sort of showing one of those hops. You don't need to necessarily add six more. So just let them do what they're meant to do. Let them then. do what they're meant to do, at least if you want to make a new recipe, sort of showcasing some of these new hops. That's sort of how they're intended. Mosaic is named that way for a reason. It's supposed yeah. to provide a lot of different range of spectrum of flavor, right? And that's not just that hop that's doing that, but a lot of these new hops that are available to us, right? Even in tasting around, I'm glad we're talking about this because even in tasting around here uh, and both on and off the show, and we don't like being a tasting show in general, but uh, we're, we're not the best of, of tasters and, and then describing it. Uh, we're not all BJCP. We're not all Cicerone's here. <laughs> that's right. but, but what I want to point out is that I think recently, and by recently I mean in the last year or two, when we start to pick out flavors in beers, whether they be off flavors or just flavors that, that stand out to us, I think that we've found it on this very program increasingly difficult to pinpoint whether it's a hop flavor that we're getting or right. some sort of off flavor that we're talking about or some sort of process flavor, whether that be that we've tasted plastic or yeah. I mentioned in a beer that I tasted earlier today the that it tasted like children's Tylenol, the children's chewable Tylenol, which we first started talking about as maybe some weird um, off flavor, and then later came back and said, no, this is like a hop bitterness because it was like a bitter flavor to it. So my, my, my point being that 
the hops are becoming so complex and having so many different uh, characters to them that I think even it's hard now to describe. Is that a hop character in the beer? Is that a malt character? Is that a fermentation character? So I think this lends itself to what you're saying. Some of the best crafted beers will have you won't be able to tell the difference between where the malt, hop, and yeast characters right. sort of begin and end. And even right? more so now that you could add something like a mosaic and not a bunch of other hops, exactly, and still not know exactly what the where, where it's coming from. I tasted two beers in the last year, uh, one in Texas from a um, small local brewery called Lone Pint, and then we were at um, Founders Brewing in Michigan last year for the NHC. Both had kind of a similar idea. It was like 100% Maris Otter and Mosaic. And that was it. And like a clean American ale yeast. So wonderful. So complex. Okay. So, so awesome. Like, I think one was like a 5% five, 5% beer. One was like a 6% beer. But kind of similar idea. And it showcased and reinforced this idea in my head that you don't have to have a ton of things to make a really interesting beer with all the ingredients that we have available to us. We may have not had Maris Otter or Maris Otter Fresh 10, 15 years ago. Okay. But now we do. Now we have hops like Mosaic. They're trying to be everything, right? Yeah. So start there, start simple, and it, it can prove to you how much. Or even um, let's take a hop combination like Simcoe Amarillo, right? Simcoe covering all this ground from pine and citrus to maybe even some stuff that people don't like. Some people get cat pee out of it or this kind of like ribes, boxwood, crazy thing. Um, and then Amarillo, which has that classic sort of citrus quality. There's so many beers on the shelf that do manage to take only two hops like that and create something wonderful. Like Drake's 1500 is kind of a showcase beer mm-hmm. for just those two. Um, Sculpin, if I'm not mistaken, and uses maybe just those two or something that's sort of like a signature around those two. Um, and you don't need a lot to make a great killer hoppy beer that is so hop forward, so hop centric. When we're thinking about adding the complexity of hops in a beer, uh, it doesn't take much to achieve what you want to okay. achieve. Um, and is it safe to say that even hops that are old faithful, like our, our good old sea hops, our cascades and our centennials, which are still, to me, these wonderful, flavorful mm-hmm. hops, yeah. that these can still be used in the same method as well, right? They don't, they don't have to all be the, these newer hops, right? No. In, in order to, to keep these... it simple, I mean. Right. And you think about the old hop catalog and what don't the newer hops have. Almost none of them have something like Chinook, like straight, aggressive, to the throat, pine. Okay. You know? Yeah. So that'd be an interesting blending component with these sort of subtle hops that have, you know, berry and melon or like a light citrus, like, you know, a lemon drop or a Zaka or something like that, which is just more fruity. Yeah. Right. And you could try to contrast that with something, you know, which is going to cut straight through and maybe just keep it at those two and see what, yeah. see what happens. Right. I'm really laughing um, at myself at thinking about my, er- not just the er- homebrew recipes that I, I did attempt to write a few homebrew recipes when I was really into it in the beginning, but I also just took other people's recipes like down at the homebrew shop and whatever. God, and I remember all of them had five different varieties of hops in them. Whether I wrote it or I, if somebody yeah. else wrote it, they all had five, six different. Right, Tasty? You remember uh, that's this? Really, that's the way it was. Everybody. And it, now it's so. I, I, now I, it's comical. Um, it wasn't wrong at the time. No, not but, at all. I mean, but, still not even wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were looking for things like uh, that are being presented to us now. I mean, we didn't have a hop like Citra, which is like has this, this giant tropical. It's four hops in one. It is. It's like so, two or three hops in one at yeah, least. You okay. know what I mean? Um, okay. That example I talked about earlier, 50% Pilsner malt, 50% American two-row, was with you know a little bit of citra and mostly a hop called Legacy. I was trying to pull out, and I thought that it was a cool complement between 
a new a new hop that I was trying to figure out that had a little bit of this like grape character like mosaic does and then citra obviously had this tropical thing and that is all you, you needed to make that like a 1050 beer around five percent alcohol two malts done okay you know tasty you were gonna say something well i, I think was, the main point that i think we're driving here is that just like the malts uh, keep it simple and the hop bills the same way you know have a maybe a, a neutral bittering hop you know to get, get a base bitterness in your beer and then finish it off with no more than like say two hops and does that apply exactly. to to dry hopping as well? We would then use the same two. That, I think that's something. At least one of the two. You might have a third uh, different hop in the dry hop, but okay. wouldn't be unreasonable to just match up those two with this. You know, dry hop the same two. Yeah, you, uh, exactly. Sort of reinforce what yeah. you've already done. Yeah, you, you, right, yeah, right. Reinforce what happened in the right. kettle or in right. the uh, whirlpool. Right. right. You know, and then of course you know, match them up. Don't like oh, I've done this. Well, I'll use like a citrus kind of hop and a, and a mango hop. In the same beer. It's sort of like, when you taste it, it, it's like you're looking for some singularity so you can find it. Right. Right? When you mix like two, you know, things that are sort of like opposite ends of the, you know, in a way, to come to create this third flavor, you know, it's the the flavor you can't describe. It's like, it has no name, so therefore you can't remember it. Right. Yeah. Are you saying, and that's necessarily a positive? It could thing? be a good thing, but it could I, be a good I, thing, but it can be a. But I like thing. to keep them consistent. Like if I went, I'm using a citrus hop uh, as one of them, I'll use another citrus hop as, as a second. Got to play into what's already there yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. Okay. It sort of depends on the intensity of the hop that you're working with, and if you want to, yeah. you want to really showcase that, right? If you have like, you know, a killer pound of amarillo and you want to reinforce that with you know really good centennial that you yeah. happen to have yeah. you know or you want to have a lot of hop flavor but you don't want to have it one hop like mm-hmm. say you got simcoe well you don't want it at all simcoe late edition beer it's, it's got potential for problems right so use another one to like get you the rest of the way yeah, yeah. so sort of fill out the rest of the canvas yeah. and maybe that one doesn't exactly. have yeah all right, so some great techniques to yeah. uh, simplify our beer, yet give us uh, the same kind of complexity that I think we've always been looking for in our beers. You just don't have to do it by adding a million ingredients. There's so many new ingredients that are being offered to us on the shelf, um, it's, and the quality is higher than ever before. Yeah, There's no need to try them all in, in one recipe, and you can really showcase what the best of those can bring to you by trying them one at a time. Yeah. So this hot grenade beer is going to have 15 different malts. After, even after all this, I, ne- I yeah. never learn. It'll still be. <laughs> I'm actually now. We could still do that, and you can, but it makes life harder, I think. Yeah. I'm going to have Nathan write all of my uh, homebrew recipes from now on, it's which is be, like a half of a recipe yeah, a year. It's not going to so. help you. Still gonna help. It'll help wonders. You see? Doc says it's going to help. You can't tell it's, the sarcasm. It's like Beth <laughs> early in the show. <laughs> it's going to help. I'm going to make a run for what if, Nathan, how disappointed would you be with your life if I, I decided next year I'm going to enter a crap load of beers into the national competition. Dude, you You're going to write all the recipes. I'm going to brew the beer, and I'm going to enter it. And I surpass your success in, in, the, in the second round NHC. I've always made fun of you for how the second round goes for you. I would be the first to tackle and high-five you on the stage. <laughs> well, and, and, and I just feel like it would be sort of bittersweet. Like you've, no. you will have succeeded with me because you wrote all the recipes for those beers, <laughs> yet I was the shitty brewer who had to brew them to get you there. How awful would you? Well, I feel like when that happens, like <laughs> when you walk across the stage. Yes. You will hear crickets because there will, <laughs> nobody will know what to, to do. even think. Like, yeah, you have they to list start. him. You have to list him as co-brewer. 
<laughs> oh, oh, yes. Cocoa Brewer. Co- oh, yeah. the, all the listeners would just say, well, Doc brewed those recipes. And <laughs> <laughs> McDonald yeah. brewed those other ones. And yeah. Nate brewed those. And then Jamil, I heard like even JP brewed that other one. You know? <laughs> Forget about the booing we get for Club of the Year. Imagine what would happen then. It'd be amazing. Oh, hell, oh what, God, what if you got brew over the year? Oh, that would be lovely. Hell would freeze over at that moment. Oh, my God. California would fall into the sea. (laughs) Except Uh, Anaheim. As you hope. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. You'd be tasty on the death pool then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, something. I'd get struck by lightning. Some strange thing would happen. You'd be struck by lightning twice. Well, this is exactly what I was hoping for, Nate. Thank you uh, for giving us some description. And I think maybe uh, we'll continue to do a bit of follow-up with you on it. I know that you've got a bit of info probably on yeast that we can cover at some point. We can do that one in the future. um, And then I know this keeps sort of expanding for you as you keep experimenting uh, with new hops. And as you said, there's new malts coming out all the time. So uh, that's exciting stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do some other things and stuff. 888-401-BEER, if you want to call in, hit the chat button on the homepage. We might have some Drunk of the Week calls to do and uh, things of this nature. Hang in there. It's the session, and we'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craft craftbeer.com and click on beer styles to start the guide plus enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com the brewers banter blogs beer education how to host a beer tasting and the invaluable draft quality manual tons of great content that makes your beer better visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion camaraderie and creativity of the craft beer community craftbeer.com celebrating the best of american beer Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all-grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All-Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature march pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. 
BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously? What? You're paying money for that watered-down mead when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. And now get 15% off by going to MoonlightMeadery.com forward slash BNArmy and use coupon code BNArmy at checkout. Hey, sign me up for that party. Attention, home brewers! If you like making labels for your handcrafted awesomeness and wish more people could see how great you are, then check this out. GrogTag, the makers of custom reusable labels and craftbeerandbrewing.com are hosting the first ever National Homebrew Label Awards. The top 10 labels will be featured at the 2015 National Homebrewers Conference in San Diego to more than 5,000 attendees and more than $2,500 in prizes will be awarded. If you've created a label at any time in the past year, you're eligible to enter. GrogTag and Craft Beer and Brewing have teamed up with great sponsors like More Beer and the Brewing Network to make this competition a great one to enter. Submit your entries between March 1st and June 1st for your chance at fortune and glory at homebrewlabelawards.com. That's homebrewlabelawards.com. Submit your label entries today. Good luck, and we'll see you in San Diego. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Yeah, welcome back. We got a couple things left to do here before we let you go on your merry way. Whether that be in a car or at the bar or at work. I don't in, know what you do. In a house with a mouse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about we do a little feedback? I didn't do feedback. At the feedback. Hey, before we get into feedback, I'll do it afterward. Thank uh, you. Feedback's brought to you today by our good friend John over at Beer Law Center. He's helping me right now. There was another thing. As always, <laughs> go to BeerLawCenter.com, and uh, John can take care of you like he takes care of us. The hop grenade is always under attack, and maybe your logo is too. If it isn't, um, it, it may be one day, and you need somebody on your side. John knows beer. He knows trademark law, and he can look out for you. Go to BeerLawCenter.com and check it out. All right. Feedback today. Matt from Virgin yeah, writes in, uh, I'm so glad you all did guess the style game. Last year at NHC Club Night, my friend... Lane and I played this for about 45 minutes, and we didn't get a single beer correct, which is what I thought might happen uh, with (laughs) us. He said we would take each other's glass, disappear for a few minutes, and then meet back up with a taster. Uh, in this group, that would be a dangerous way to play the yes, game. Yes, absolutely. Point out. It's I'm, drain cleaner. I'm, you lose. I'm glad. Yeah. See you next time, Tate. Never mind. It's a roofie. You yeah. lost. Uh, I'm glad that you have good friends, Matt. Bonus uh, chicken. Granted, it's harder with homebrew because you're depending on the brewer to correctly label their beer in the first place, but it was still really striking, striking uh, from Matt. Yeah, so I really like the game, and I think it's a good. I think it's going to be fun for us to do every now and then and just sort of put ourselves to the test and see if we know what the hell we're talking about. Blind tasting in general is an extremely difficult thing to do. I'm terrible at it, uh, but I do find it fun. So we'll do a little bit more of that. 
Uh, all right, Gavin writes in, Bevo is annoying. That is all. Ah, you got called annoying. <laughs> what? There you go. Wow. No, it, it was happened. only because I said last week that I had never been called annoying. Exactly. Right. right. Can't say that anymore. Well... You're doesn't now, count because I'm not annoying. You, you were the exception to the rule. The, everybody else had gotten... Actually, I think now Nathan is the only one who has never yeah, gotten Nathan. negative feedback. Oh, has this warned? has got to happen. We can make it happen. I brought uh, some music. Well, he's gotten told to shut the fuck up. If that <laughs> yeah, but that's, but that's just from me you. yelling at him. Nathan brought in music from a band he used to be in called Nigel Peppercock. I sent you an MP3, which is even better than... Oh, these jams. Is it in my email? Yeah. All right, I'll work on that. Yeah, check that out. <laughs> it's in your 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 fax machine. Have you guys tray. heard of this email? It's, uh, <laughs> it's in your cassette player. You, like, you can send yeah. things to yeah. people. It goes through the air. So you can I, send cassettes. I emailed. <laughs> yeah. Did you send me a cassette via email? I sent you a cassette via email. <laughs> you sent me a mixtape, an email yeah. mixtape? It's actually a coupon. You mail Dude, it into my P.O. box. I just fucking invented email mixtapes where you you can send what? you can send 10 songs to a friend. It's an email mixtape. It's the, the brand new thing I've ever heard. It's a new mixtape. Who doesn't want stupid. a mixtape? It's called an iPod. You can't send somebody an iPod. Mixtapes were great because you sent them. You gave them to somebody. Yeah, yeah but they were in You got order. it as jealous that I invented the email mixtape. No, we're not. I am. It's good. Why are you t- uh, Is the face pissed so I'm talking to the hand? Yes. <laughs> you're, you're definitely talking. That this sucks. is like the 90s show. It is. The because then you download them, and then if you download them in the wrong order, then you get it out of order, and then the ballad comes <laughs> before the rock and pee, the, 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 up, the, up, the can, up-paced shit, and then you're all fucked. No. You can keep trying to shit on the best idea of the 21st century, but okay, it's not Okay, because it's happen. terrible. It's what? not. You watch, when I send you an email mixtape tomorrow and you cry because I set the mood for your life, you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> but see, the problem is I'll download it in the opposite order. So now you have to out you have to I'll write my instructions. I, you can, it's email. You can write things in it, too. No. And I write the instructions. It's too much work. I don't want it. Reading email? Well, no. This is the beauty of it. And then downloading them and then, re, and then reorganizing them in the same proper Just fashion? Just press play in the, the yeah. fashion. In the email? Just make him a CD. I don't understand. That's not an email fucking mixtape. Or just say, e- here you go. How about you give me a CD and then email me to let me know that you gave me a CD. Then the email's there. Your part is still there. No. My part is there because then it's more, less work for me to hear the terrible music you listen to. You'll like- see when I start mixtape.com and become a billionaire tomorrow, you're, you know, I'm not taking any of you with me. Okay, already, I feel I'm- like if we were in, you're all, you are Searching that web address, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it already exists. Oh, you guys. I guess because I just created it. <laughs> and you threw up, a, threw, you, threw up a website. I'm already. good. I feel like if we were CEOs sitting around a table and <laughs> like if this, was, oh, right. if this was Shark Tank right the now, tank. Yes. you would yeah. be laughed out of the no, room. No, I would not. Yes. No. No, because he would have sent an email mixtape to all of the hosts already. And yeah. they would have been like... And then like Mark Cuban would have been like, I thought it was stupid, and then I listened to what you sent me, and yeah. you've wooed me. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> that <is> so <laughs> heartfelt. I have been wooed me, today. Captain, I, I, don't, I have no idea what technology even means, understands my new technology well, email, idea. I'm just starting to understand email. <laughs> so, yeah. He only thinks your technology is great because it's old technology. <laughs> That's hey, a, all right, have, good point. Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> all right, Gary writes in... Um, 
Um, oh, by the way, Gavin said also suck at JP. Uh, Gary writes in, I just want to let you know that I found the Brewing Network about two years ago, listened to almost all of your old shows. I held off donating until now because I wanted to make sure you guys hadn't turned into assholes. Well, <laughs> now that I started out that way. Turned into. Now that I'm caught up, I realize that you may be assholes, but you're the kind of assholes I like. <laughs> I don't, right. know if that, I don't know if that came out the way he wanted to. We're on said. your side, buddy. That's right. Uh, so I signed up as a corporal in the BN Army. Thanks, Very, very generous. Right. Um, he says this store on our website isn't working, too, but that's inaccurate, Gary. Gary, do better at life. <laughs> All right. Alan writes in, can you please tell me how I can cancel my recurring donation? <laughs> yes. No. Uh, we are sad. Yeah, Alan, log into your own PayPal account. You are uh, – everyone is in complete control of their own donation. <laughs> yeah, it's your own um, reality. You can figure it out. JP said. Uh, well, I can't – I mean, I can go in and cancel it, but I'm just saying you, you guys have complete control. Uh, so log into your PayPal account, go to uh, subscriptions, and you can uh, cancel it right there anytime. Is there a refund since he wanted to do it last month? Um, no. <laughs> Maybe had he written his reason. Uh, you know, I yeah. like I like yeah. something JP. Said. I like if we're going to suck, I like to know where well, we suck. Yeah. Give us some insults. Yeah. Oh, well, let us know why you unsubscribed. Well, maybe he's just on you know downturn in his life, and he'll. he'll up but back yeah. again, no and problem. that's fine. I just you know, but that's the reason. Then then you write it down. Alan, <laughs> if that is your real name, yeah, two buck Alan, suck it, Alan. All right, Clayton writes in <laughs> an open letter. I hate when anything starts with an open letter. Oh, okay, no! was it always a thing, like open letters, yeah. or is it just since Facebook? No, that it was an, ex- an open letter, an excuse for someone to grant. No, it used to be like you know, public. They would publish them in newspapers. And yeah, it's just yeah, it just published. I don't like it then either. I feel you don't like, like it in the, the past. The I don't newspaper? like it then. Take it's like a, it's a cop out. An it's open a, letter. It's an how about write to the to person? Write. How about yeah. you go, like, I, I'll use just a couple, you know, asshole that I'm talking to. Like, put in the name of it, right. you know. Well, read the thing because it's, 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 he's writing in, in, to a general, a general audience. Isn't letter to the editor kind of the same thing? Yeah. I'm letter to the editor, but y'all Well, read that's it. to a specific person, which no, would be the not, editor. You, you want everybody to read it. Well, yeah, but it's to the editor. This is to. Okay. The open. Okay. Right. Yeah. Here letter, we go. An open JP. letter to all the folks who wrote in complaining about our East Coast IPA versus West Coast IPA tasting. Our. So who wrote this? Oh wait, it was, it was our. It's. Not I yours. think it's written in, in in our in like the Brewing Network's uh, you know uh, point of view. Keep reading. Maybe it makes. Just sense. read it. It's fine. Just read it. Is this the guy who sent in the no. East? No, he's defending us. Is what he's doing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, he, he, he's. Part of our meaning. Dear East Coast IPA fans, he writes, our one our wonderful hosts and hostette. There you go. That's racist. That's you, people. Uh, I, I it's think sexist. Actually, oh, thank you. Uh, love good beer, not just West Coast beer. They judged six beers, regardless of where they were brewed, and judged them against their palates. They preferred one half over the other. The losers are just that, in a relative sense. They weren't as good. To this audience. So what makes a good beer? If you like it, that's all that matters. Stop asking for justification. It's not the brewcaster's fault that your palates suck. Just be happy that you're okay with sucky beer. Ignorance is bliss. You're more likely to find a beer you enjoy that way. It's the brewcasters that have to suffer with such refined palates. <laughs> that's a, that's lull. Yeah. Uh, remember, you're the lucky ones, East Coasters, from Clayton. JP, please paraphrase this for me. You know I can't be concise. Send from my iPhone. <laughs> 
And so. I did paraphrase that for him. But uh, no, this is the man who wrote me a three-page uh, feedback email once. So, uh, you know, this okay. is about as concise as he can He's get. getting better. But I thought the message was good. Yeah, it's all right. How bad did you chastise him uh, for that three-page thing? <laughs> pretty good. I ripped him pretty good. Yeah. You want to, uh, I mean, I agree that we weren't exactly – we were only biased insofar as that he's right. We were tasting the beer against our own palates. Yeah. I do. I like that sentence. I think that's a very concise well, statement that he makes, and, and that's what we spoke about. We yeah. weren't saying which is better. We were just picking which was which. Or which – and which we liked better, I think. We did end up saying which we liked. Well, but, yes, we the goal of, uh, originally was just which was which, yeah. and then we ultimately said which we liked. But anyway. You want to hear a message from the uh, voicemail line as it pertains to uh, East Coast versus West Coast and uh, what we were doing? Yeah. Hey guys, I'm a brewer out in California and I was uh, on the East Coast last year and I had a couple good East Coast ideas. I was listening to the show, Mashing In, and uh, one of them was um, Captain Lawrence. Their idea wasn't too shitty. Good beer. And Defiant Brewing, both in upstate New York. Uh, they, they're doing some nice stuff. Kind of East Coast style, but, but, you know, not, no flaws, really, really well made. And a uh, nice, you know, nice hot character. Uh, definitely not quite as, not quite as dry as ours, but, but yeah, check them out. I just, I love the. That's uh, pretty nice, you know, not too shitty. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th- this is a real sell job for uh, the ty- the beer you're defending. Lawrence, their idea wasn't too shitty. <laughs> wasn't too shitty. We do that all the time, though. That uh, wasn't too uh, shitty. <laughs> I feel like that's still a good no, descriptor. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> we didn't find any of the East Coast beers shitty or flawed or correct or any no, of that. Some great that wasn't the Philly. case at all. No, maybe you know everybody in, in here just drinks found shitty them in, beer. We just found it them in. It seemed to be a little maltier than you know. No. Typical. All right. Hey, hey, thanks for sticking up for us. Though I appreciate that, Clayton. Yeah. All right. Pies writes in. Uh, I'm very much aligned with JP on this. I don't give a shit who owns Blue Moon. If it tastes good, I'll drink it. In summer 2010, I'd been walking around New York City all day and found a small bar with a limited selection. Bud, Miller, Coors, and a limited, crafty-looking selection. I assumed one of the big guys owned Blue Moon. But who cares? I was parched, and that first pint hit the spot so well, I ordered another. Cheers from Pies. (laughs) And that's who you're taking your advice from. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. All right, Stephen writes in, Brewcasters, my friends and I will be down in the Bay Area on Monday, May 18th, and wanted to know if you had a show that night. We were hoping to swing on down to the Hop Grenade and get some good beer and a show before flying back east the following day. Moskowitz, do we have a show next week? Yes. All right. These guys will be here at least. Great. All right. Sweet. JP, you're hosting next week. No, no. All right, that's your feedback brought to you today by our good friend John at Beer Law Center. He, he's not too shitty. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, his service isn't too shitty. He's a less than shitty lawyer. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Not so shitty trademark law. <laughs> Nate, which Nigel Peppercock song should I play? Should I play? How about a massage? My dad's not gonna kick your. Fuck. No, my dad's gonna kick your ass. Can you can you show the or, the? No, it's my dad's. Gonna kick your fuck. Your fucking ass. Oh, yeah. it cuts it off cuts at... Cuts off. <laughs> I see. Play how about a massage. I prefer the way I read it. Uh, all right, play Show. how about a massage. Yeah. This is Nathan's old band. Old band. Show the artwork to the camera while it's playing. Nigel, uh, I don't think we should show this. Well, you could do the first oh, one. Oh, hell yes, you yeah, should. You this should. is the internet radio. Mm. Goddamn right. All right, let's see what Nigel... Wait, no, uh, give it to little, Justin. That's a little too outrageous. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't do the... Thing under the CD. But. 
beat singing it. <laughs> I do want a massage. I do want a massage, but not from this guy. I think we have to play this at BNA 10. What are the ch- what's the guy's name that was the singer uh, and proprietor of this band? Uh, the singer was Mick Jagoff. <laughs> who was who was Rick the Desert Dick then? Rick the Desert Dick was the guy featured on our first seven inch. Oh, oh he wasn't. <laughs> I, think he lives, so, I think he lives in Bakersfield. No, he he was, wasn't in the band. He's no, no. He's just kind of our divine master or something. I don't know. <laughs> are all the members of this band still alive? Yes, amazingly. <laughs> he had to think about. Is there a, a the reunion? Only time I've ended, ended up in the hospital was on this tour. Really? <laughs> yeah. For what? I. I, some antibiotics took care of it. I think I'm all right now. <laughs> what are the chances of a Nigel Peppercock I mean, reunion? Not, not me. That was Ace Freefield. That was. <laughs> that was your gnome de plume. Yeah. Wow. How did you get involved with this band? <clears throat> What's your favorite color? Massage. Um, I don't know. How does anything happen? But was, you. It's, but it you miss it, don't you? It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, reunion tour 2015. I hope. <laughs> can, uh, are copies still available? Uh, no, only on cassette. But you can, <laughs> the trunk I can, of Nate's car. I can supply you. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Parker's uh, birthday's coming. <laughs> he up. needs to be corrupted. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Look <laughs> at that. Nathan has the vinyl copy. This beautiful oh, yeah. vinyl copy of I Nigel can, Peppercock. I can give you this in full, full vinyl. Glory. All right. Glory. What's this one? My dad's gonna kick your. My dad's gonna kick your fucking ass. ass. What year? 2004. No, this is 2005, I think. We don't have no, you can definitely hear the evolution. You know? Yeah. I prefer early Nigel Peppercock. Before they sold out. In the liner, there is one dude in the band holding another dude in the band's wiener. Are either of those no, no, wieners no, 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 yours, no. Nathan? That was, that was uh, not anyone in the band. That was our, our fans, of course. <laughs> Of course it was. Yeah. They sent that in. Wait, yeah. you had, wait, you had fans? Yeah. Hey, don't forget, you can go over to our sponsor, adamandeve.com. Use coupon code BNARMY. That's B-N-A-R-M-Y right now. You get uh, 10 free gifts, which is like free shipping and 50% off and free a gift. bunch of free DVDs, a gift for her, a gift for him, a, a gift, gift for, for you both, yeah. a gift for Nigel. They should add that to the next one. one you can't talk about? Rick the Desert Dick is fresh white Reeboks kicking your ass. Adamandeve.com. Use coupon code B-N-A-R-M-Y. That goes for you out there in the live studio audience as well. So you get a lot. <laughs> Uh, this is no joke. I use it all the time. It's my new favorite song. You're on the uh, drop D guitar here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it a flying V? No, an SG. Oh, of course it was an SG. I love SG. A little ACDC style. Yeah, nice. With cherry SG. Did you wear a shirt in concert? Sometimes. But not all the time. We had different costumes every show. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. did you Such pa- as? Did you wear pants? Village People was the one. Okay. Um, oh, man. Too many to remember now. That was one of the most common ones that we did. Yeah. That would work. Pants? That would work. Which one were you? The army guy. <laughs> <laughs> the most butch, I think. Nate's an onion. <laughs> Smells better than that. 
<laughs> I love some falsetto in a good hardcore song. My dad's gonna kick your fucking ass. I know it already. That's a hook right there. I got it on the second time. <laughs> Wow, well done, Nate. You should be proud of yourself. That's a good time. Oh, oh, oh my. I'm, I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it before this. We were in Texas, and it came up, and Nick Horace, I think, was like, oh, yeah, Nigel Peppercock. Of course, one of the guys And I said, Texas what? Us. What are I you talking about? Our, I think we had our best wild antics in Texas. We played some place called Beerland in Austin. That was that was a good time. Okay. I think we were like crust punks that show or something. I don't remember. Crust <laughs> punks. punks. Yeah. Oh, I love my. it. Did you ever do heroin, Nate? I can't disclose this on the radio. <laughs> I mean, you were in some pretty wild bands. I, you know, you might have just been. I, do, I defer to Rick the Desert Dick, but he's not here to answer. <laughs> I see. All right, fair enough. I feel like he doesn't answer in words anyway, just actions. I can neither confirm nor deny that, <laughs> yeah. Senator. All right. Are we about done here? Uh, um, we had Twitter game that we never got to. What was it? Uh, well, you know, it, it was about Doc. It was a, a very oh, good, she, yeah. you know, Doc one. Uh, we had talked on several occasions about getting Doc on Tinder. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to get Doc on Tinder. Yeah, under the username Doc McStuffins. Um, <laughs> no, I can't Doc. wait till we have a Tinder date right outside our studio we window. Big Stuffins. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, like, waiting for him right here? Yeah. It could I mean, be happening you can hear right now. Bev through the soundproof window. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so oh my. Uh, the question I posed to the Twitter people is, where should Doc take his future Tinder date for their first quote-unquote encounter? <laughs> do, do, is there even another answer than the hop grenade There's for that? several, yeah. There shouldn't be. Right or, in the window. Or, or, or. No one, actually, no one said the hop grenade. Oh, weird. All right, what do we got? Uh, well, Louis, uh, Louis Brewing says the backseat of his art car. <laughs> Which I that was pretty apropos. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Brandon Martin says to his office, so he can immediately write them both prescriptions for penicillin when the deed is done. Oh, he's still clean. <laughs> I'm allergic to penicillin. Uh, Marcus Harton says anywhere you can find a tank of nitrous and a prairie gibberish translator. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, Reginald, which is very elegant for this show, says uh, back to the chocolate factory so she slash he can meet the rest of the Oompa Loompa family. All right. Ew. That one seems mean. It is. Well, no, well, and creepy. Well, especially the she, he, the he thing. The he, she thing. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wingert says the parking lot of an ER. At Doc's age, you can't be too careful. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Scott Thompson says to his adorable Fisher-Price-sized house. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a tiny guy. It's a cute little day. He's a little guy. Dad's going yeah, it's all, it's all to red and yellow. your fucking ass. It's <laughs> <laughs> my Fisher-Price voice. It's Nate good. was lip-syncing with the rock on sign held up. <laughs> <laughs> While Justin was doing that. That's a great hook, dude. I oh, like man. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Team Ollie says, uh, easy. He should take her to Levi Stadium to the Not So Grateful Dead concert, and she can help sell the nitrous balloons. I'm, I'm going there. <laughs> and, uh, I have tickets. Well, there you go. You do. Yeah. So that one's accurate. Yeah. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, Austin writes in with uh, two simple words, Tasty's Viewing. <laughs> Oh. Oh. Wow. That's yeah. creepy. Yeah. You just let it sit there. Yeah. That's it. I don't remember any good ones. 
No, uh, nothing really. Got I thought going. Tasty's viewing was pretty hilarious. Uh, the backseat of his art car. That's good. Okay, that was yeah, probably the best. Uh, All right, yeah. that was that was the one that was good enough. What art car? It was good enough. Good enough. Or Fisher. Pro- I mean, okay, that, I think it wasn't too shitty. Not a Hall of Fame quality. It wasn't too shitty. Art car, not too shitty. There you go, Louis. You win something. All right, that's going to about do it for us. We do have a program next week on something. Something. Yeah, something. Some something. So come back to the opportunity for that. Sounds like it's going to be awesome. I'll show up. Um, (laughs) It'll be something. And we'll see you here Yeah, uh, when we do that. Are we good? Are we done? I think we're good. Are you good? How are you doing? I'm feeling great. You all right? I feel like it's time to go. You want to talk? Nothing? You okay? I'm good. Feels like a thousand bucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like at least a two dollar bill. <laughs> yeah, at least that. Yeah, oh, so you're feeling a little. Uh, okay, got it. <laughs> on it, on it. Wink, wink. Got it. I feel like I haven't been a, to a strip club in a while, so I'm. Ooh, I'm, I'm I got like a lot a, of ones in my pocket. Well, there isn't one on this block yet. When's that going to happen? I don't know. I should open it though. You know, like some people get a vitamin deficiency. <laughs> uh, you you I got a stripper like, deficiency. Yeah. That's what happens. I feel like if I'm gone from them for you know if I if there's no strippers in blow for too long, yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, kid. Gotta go to Portland for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is it for work? Oh, sorry. I know. Uh, come on. Yes. I know it's only the Monday crew, but let's see what we can do. <laughs> Listen, the Monday crew will do. That's always been my motto. <laughs> That's how I sign off my new stripper column when I write about clubs. Yeah. This is Justin, and remember, the Monday crew will do. <laughs> the new podcast (laughs) waiting for you goes for our bar staff (laughs) also all right we're gonna go okay we're out (laughs) thanks everybody jeppy make us leave Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. Gordon Strong introduced us to the new edition of the BJCP Guidelines. Thanks very much to him and to Nate Smith for doing some other similar stuff. I don't know. I sort of tuned out there in the middle. Uh, Help a fellow homebrewer get a shot at fortune and glory. Head to homebrewlabelawards.com and vote for your favorite homebrew label. Follow JP on Twitter at Major Jip. And if you're any kind of Disneyland or Disney World fan, support his new endeavor, Cubby Ears. Go to get CoveyEars.com for the best way to find your Disney Park style and give Jason uh, a bunch of money so he can retire early. Uh, Warren was uh, not here, but Doc was, and that was pretty much cooler. Uh, for his good beer inside and homebrew info, follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew and Mike McDowell at Tasty McD. Production director on the session has been Push Eject. Today's show has been produced by Scott Moskowitz. JP was leveling up his sumsums all show long. Bebo was caving in and eating pizza when she said she wouldn't. And your host was Justin Crossley. Be sure to... Straight Peter's great as his charity care.